What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. Uh, although we're still on the summer porch tour, we're taking a, a little break from 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 touring porches. Things got a little out of control. Uh, we had a little bit too much fun with the shed cast guys. Then we did a full out smoke out bug out, and now this week we're we're gonna take it easy a little bit. We're actually gonna look at a couple news stories, play a little video, reset a little bit, take a breather, have a little bit of lemon water, and then get back out there for the second half of the summer porch tour and do it really big, even bigger than the first half. We're regrouping before the second act, and then maybe we'll introduce like a villain or something, and there'll be some crazy conclusion. We'll go back in time to reset it as if none of it even really happened. It's going to be pretty epic. So email us, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. And uh, if you're in the uh, tri-state area, you know, we're, we're going to come uh, visit your porch. Um, so last week we had the uh, pretty epic uh, smoke out bug out. Harrington, what, what, what do you think of the, uh, the smoke out bug out? Uh, I I still haven't recovered. I don't think. Have you not recovered? Uh, my Sunday was pretty bad. I was, dude. I was a mess taking the train home, and then I had to work the next day, and it just got weird. Like it fucked up my whole week. Is all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Well, it was a commitment, and you know we went through with it. And by the way, the Shedcast offered to sponsor it if we ever wanted to do it again. They said that they would uh, invite us over and uh, you know take care of some of the costs. So. Down the line, it's gonna we, we got to give that a, a, like a, a break for about three months, but maybe we'll do it quarterly. We'll get some new competitors and we'll go out with the with the, with the Shedcast boys. I am ready to go with those guys like tomorrow. <laughs> I fucking love those kids. I need a little of a break before uh, before we get to it. So we got a couple uh, callers lined up, which is partly why I wanted to be in studio this week. Uh, the first caller I lined up, I was really impressed. You know, I always just assume that the people listening to this show are complete dumbasses, mostly because. We're a bunch of dumbasses. So you would think a bunch of dumbasses talking, the people listening, probably going to be like stupid. You would think there would be like a dumb effect where dumber people would be listening to us than we are. But we're very wrong. We've had some very intelligent people call into the show. Uh, and most recently, someone invited us to their porch. It was none other. Oh, is he? He's there right now. Oh, this is very cool. Okay. So like I was saying, usually you would think we're a bunch of idiots. I found out we've got this extremely handsome rocket scientist who's listening to our show. He invited us over to his porch. Sadly, he's a little too far away. We can't go to his porch. But you know, every once in a while, you haven't you haven't got like gotten laid for a really long time, but then you meet someone on the internet who's a little bit too far away, and they send you nudies, and then you can pretend like you're in a relationship, even though you're not in a relationship, and you can look at their nudes and get really excited about it, and then for like three weeks, pretend like, oh my God, I got this really hot girlfriend, even though you never hang out with her, and then you got an excuse not to go out and meet other people, and it works out really well. So I was thinking, even though we're indoors this week and we couldn't summer porch tour, maybe we could have this hand handsome young man who's a very smart listener who's a, a rocket scientist show off his porch to us so uh harrington you got him on the line so uh to start out we've got some nice uh folding camping chairs real high quality material you see that's really what yosef needed he listens to the show and he got the good chairs all right cool 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 yeah i'm like those crappy cheap chairs we got the thick material chairs over here and and i see you got um, you got the christmas lights for doing drugs yeah, they're uh, those vintage light bulbs with the spiral filament. Really cool ambiance when it's dark outside, which it's not right now, but in a little bit it will be. Um, so those are nice. Uh, we also got a nice little floor rug here to uh, save our feet from the splinters. Yeah, that the... floor rug is so such nice colors, and there's a subtlety to right. it, and there's flowers. Yeah. You don't see porches in the northeast with floor rugs because we get too much uh, too much like rain and shit. Like that's that's high end. You can almost take a nap out there. 
yeah, and this is an outdoor rug too, so it's even more luxurious. And what's what's the view you know what like? Saying. Can you tell us about the view? Oh, I'm, I'll describe it real quickly and then I'll show it to you. So we've got a beautiful view on the left here of another condo. We've got some beautiful green trees with uh, evergreen trees and regular leafed trees. And then to top it all off, we've got the parking lot. <laughs> all right, well, it's a nice view of the parking lot. You know, as far as parking lot, you know, porch views go, that one's not bad. Oh, it's the best. And what's, what's Let's your... see, and actually, like, if, if you, uh, you know, you can't see the mountains right now because of the clouds, unfortunately. And what's, uh, but what's, you can't see the mountains. What's your favorite thing to do from your porch? Um, I like to sit out here when it storms and just watch the thunderstorms. Maybe have a couple cocktails while it rains. Uh, like, it gets pretty hot here in the summer. And when it rains, the uh, weather breaks and it gets nice and cool. It's nice to just come out here and hang out. Can you, can you turn around and show me the, the view from the porch again? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, my God. Harrington, do you see that view? It's lovely. It's intoxicating. Yeah, so the sky out there is where all the uh, storms come. So you can see the lightning. You can see the rain. I mean, the, the sky the from that porch. Don't you just wish you were on that porch with that guy right now, looking I'm, at that sky? To be honest with you, the way he's describing it, this music, hearing his calming voice, it's like I'm there. I can smell that fresh mountain air. I, I, can, I can feel like I can see those clouds myself. All right. Before you let we let you go, and we really appreciate that you called in. You shared your porch digitally with us. Uh, you got any questions for us? Any anything you wanted to bring up? Any delicious sandwiches that you've eaten? Any uh, government, you know, harassing you or stealing your wealth that you want to describe to us? Any Tinder game that you're that you're spitting that's working really well that you want to share? I don't know. You let us know. All right. Well, as far as sandwiches, um, if you're ever in Los Angeles, there's a great place in Hermosa Beach called Mickey's Deli Casson Deli whatever can't pronounce it um they do a great capicola sandwich provolone they do a really good uh hot pastrami sandwich it's nice and melty the cheese um so if you're ever out in la that's a great place to go um as far as government stealing from me i feel like as an aerospace engineer i'm stealing from everyone else so i feel like i'm part of the problem oh you got wait you got your your gig is government so my last job, I worked for. Um, you're getting that defense money. The, you should have a much nicer porch, exactly. dude. I mean, your your right? porch. Well, see, they don't they don't pay us that much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you gotta get you in think on. They pay us all that much, but right, I got you. All right, yeah, well, you gotta get one of those exec jobs. For now, I'm gonna put you on the ranking as number one on the intelligence run your mouth leaderboard, just purely off of the job right. that you're doing. For all I know, that you're the fucking janitor over there. I don't know, but you know, you're claiming to be a, a rocket scientist. And, uh, Harrington, have we spoken to anyone smarter or more credentialed than a rocket scientist thus far? Um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, like, maybe one of the Shedcast guys, but I'm not certain. Yeah, it's, it's not sure. Those, those, were, those were strange fellows. And then we also had that guy who was clever enough to smoke meat and brine in his parents' backyard for, you know, for, like, that's all he does. So that, that guy was pretty clever. Not the worst. Do you not have a worst. professor of philosophy on? Yeah, she was pretty smart. She was cool. We're gonna have her back on. People really seem to like her. She's getting yeah, that she's was getting, a great interview. She's getting well re- well reviewed. I gotta read. You know what it is? I gotta actually educate a little bit more so that we could have a second conversation because I think I went through every thought I've ever had in the genre of philosophy. I gotta read that Bastiat guy. I think that's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ha- have her back on. I gotta read some Bastiat or whatever the fuck that guy's name was, and then we'll talk about Bastiat. yeah, we'll talk about that guy and the philosophy of liberty a little bit. Um. Yeah. All right. 
Thank you so much for calling in. Thanks for listening. We'll be in touch. Maybe we'll be out in yeah. Denver at some time, and uh, we can actually enjoy that porch in person. Yeah, hopefully I'll have a better porch by then. But uh, well, you know, you. you just keep making those machines that kills other people, <laughs> and before you know, I actually don't make those machines. But uh, yeah, yeah, I got you. All right, later, buddy. Thanks for calling in. <laughs> yeah, see ya. Okay, cool. Uh, Harrington. All right, so part of the reason that we decided to uh, take this one from the actual studio is that there are some news topics that I wanted to talk about this week, and I wanted to play a couple videos for you guys. Uh, so for the first is, by the way, Harrington, have you by any chance been watching any of the uh, Showtime show with Roger Ailes? Oh, hell yeah. I caught up on uh, the last few episodes last night. How good is it? Oh, it's fucking amazing. Firstly, okay, I'm so happy that you've seen it. The first thing that makes it so good, even if the show is bad... It is just such primetime uh, Russell Crowe. I mean, it's like him as the gladiator guy, but every single speech... Like, if you're a person like us, who are just salespeople, we do nothing other than use our voices and sound convincing, and he's the absolute best at it. So even if the show was garbage, just every time he opens up his mouth and gives a riveting speech... It's whatever that thing is at its absolute best. Gets so fired up every time. He gets so fired up every time. The other thing that's great about it is... um. It's kind of fun to just see someone who's such a shithead, but he wins, and to, like, you know, he he's he's straightforward in a malicious in a way that, like, I can never be, and it's fun to kind of watch and root for that character. Dog, he drives a chick insane with his dick. Well, like, literally drives her insane. But that, that part gets a little bit too 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 dark. Really? But even just, I'm saying... It's the only reason I'm still watching. <laughs> you just, you get, you get so off on that power hunt. No, but what's partially interesting is that I think he kind of earns his right to be a complete dick to people, and that he's winning, and he's actually winning for them and being right. Like, if I walked into a business setting, and I had to bully people into my point of view, but then it ended up making everybody a lot of money, you're kind of justified in doing so. But here's what's the most interesting part about that show, is that it really um, showcases a news network as running exactly the way I would think it would run, which is essentially as being a government arm of a propaganda network. Like, you see, listen, I don't know, to, I, I didn't really watch Fox back, uh, you know, during the Iraq War or during the Bush era. I was much younger. I was like, you know, in high school during that time period. So I wasn't all that focused on the news. I was smoking a lot of weed in a dorm room, reading the New York Post, listening to Q1043, jerking off a lot and eating horrible bodega snacks. That was my life at that time. So how much of that has changed? Almost nothing. <laughs> if anything, I'm keeping it real, you know? I really developed my personality young and I've and I've stuck to it. Stick to what you know, Rob. I, I just, you know, I've developed I, I've moved on from the queue to more to more jam bands and uh, I've developed uh, a little bit more of a refined taste for good sandwiches and not just for, you know, your Drake's cakes or uh, Rice Krispie treats. I've really stepped up, you know, my palate. But in terms of just wanting to be left alone to sit in a room and read the news, not much has changed. That's <laughs> essentially what this podcast That's is. That's essentially what this podcast is, a, a forum. Okay, so anyways, what's very what's very weird and interesting about this show is that you basically see um, Roger Ailes. He came out of um, the conservative party. He helped uh, both Nixon and I believe Reagan too win election. 
And then he ends up in um, news. And what's very cool about him is being a newsman. First, he wasn't always at Fox News. He has a very good eye for production, and he understands how to develop television that's just going to do well. And his initial philosophy, which was uh, I, which was genius, was he just realized, hey, we've got all these liberal news networks. If I make a conservative news network, we're catering to a huge demographic of people that these other stations aren't. Just by doing that, we can have huge ratings and get massive uh, massive revenue from the advertising dollars. Another thing I think he did that the other news stations didn't do was he put incredibly hot chicks on knowing even though they didn't really talk about this in the show but he just had that you know foresight into men that if you put hot chicks on television they'll just kind of watch it and they'll watch it for a little bit longer but the other thing that happens in the show is he has absolutely no care or concern for accurately reporting facts or being a news network. Not for one second. He understands he wants two things. He wants profits by um, just <laughs> just showcasing the worst things and he doesn't care. And he also wants to push a for whatever his... It doesn't really get into his philosophy or why he's so war hawkish, but he is 100% war hawkish and he just wants to float that narrative. He does not care. Oh, yeah. It 100% gets into that because like... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, not only was he like notoriously in bed with like I mean it shows him making the phone call directly to, to Dick, Dick Cheney, Cheney yeah um you know and putting which by the way you can continue but that that would be conspiracy talk of like hey look I think the head of this network is basically just working alongside the government and that's so interesting to have a showcase like a show basically just show yeah that's exactly what's going on and in a very casual way but go ahead with what you were saying well I mean like you know and, and the fact that he put Carl Rove in his place is pretty fucking awesome oh, too oh that was so bad. Um, um, yeah, you know, like they're, they're sprinkling in so many little things like when he does the speech, like he might have been the one who gave Trump make America great again. Yeah. Um, you know, he gave Bush like a lot of those talking points right after 9-11 and that idea of like. Um, you see the importance of the marketing, the spin, and just the language in order to sell ideas. It's so fascinating. Like, he just, it works. Every time he wants to rile, like, the best example of it to me is, like, when he's just pissed off about his own personal zoning, and it becomes, like, he buys a paper yeah. and then gets the whole town riled up, and then as soon as they get off his back, he's like, yeah, I got what I want. Yeah. Like, I'm good with it. I, I've been absolutely loving the show. Another one that he did was, you know, they had this incident where uh, <laughs> Obama fist bumped someone, and they're reporting it as the terrorist fist. <laughs> Is that a terrorist fist bump? <laughs> and you find out that as long as they just ask these things as questions and they keep repeating it over and over, it does kind of break through to the American people that they can make up things that like Obama's a Muslim terrorist. And if they say it enough on air, some people that are very just casually following the news start to be a little bit fearful of the president. Now, on that, there's a really good book. It's called... Um, I think it's just called uh, Crowds. Shit. I'm going to have to look this up and bring it back. But that guy just talks about the power of media and repetition and that when people are thinking in crowds, they're not really thinking logically. But if you take everything that you see in this show and then you look at what CNN's done over the last two years with just stating Russia collusion over and over and over, even though there's no accuracy to it, you can start to understand that there is really no integrity of these news media stations. Um, and this is a great, and to me, if you buy into the reality of the way I see the news stations, this show about Roger Ailes is a great display about the way that it really works and that they don't really need to ever report news. They just have to find their talking points and their display of certain like narratives that are negative and they can just report it on end without any factual evidence just keep spinning it spinning it spinning it i feel like you had something you wanted to say there harrington well like 
you know, nobody gives this movie any credit because it was like a very watered down version of the original. But Anchorman 2 essentially was like the birth of the cable news network. And it showed exactly that, that like we are we're we're cable television. We are entertainment. We can put whatever spin we want as long as we're getting eyeballs, which to me is why Roger Ailes was such a war hawk, because when you start putting threat levels in the tit, like he was the one and they, they show this. I think it was like episode uh, the 9-11 episode the ESPN. He's, he's like, like, Yo, like the sport. Yeah, yeah get rid of the sports scores bigger. and let's start putting like the, the terror threat level. Yeah. And it's like as long as that's there, as long as you're afraid of something, uh, you will tune into the news more. You know, like anytime we're ramping up for war, I notice it in my parents' home. Like they are the target demo for Fox News. And whenever like we might go to war with Libya, Fox News is on 24-7. Right. Whereas if it's not necessarily that critical of a thing, my mom might might watch Impractical Jokers, you know? So now going from from that, by the way, I've started reading his book a little bit, You're Not the Message, and it's great. It's so insightful. The, the book that he gives to yeah. the journalist? Yeah. Okay. And I also want to read, there's a book written about um, how how they crafted the campaign that got Nixon elected. I wanted to read that as well. Sometimes, you know, evil people, they take their knowledge and they do shitty things with it. But you can just tell some people they have significant insight into the human psyche and how to, uh, how to, how to win. That Nixon story from the last episode is the most interesting point to me. You know, somebody who just understood the power of television and somebody who could relate that to, you know, powerful people, people in a position to succeed. This is sick of me. But when he he was giving the speech to the new news person who has integrity Mm -hmm. before he said it, I knew the conclusion was going to be I'm not going to get the wording right. But I before he said it, I said the words. It's about winning. Mm-hmm. And I, I, a lot of me agrees with that life philosophy that it, a lot of life is really a game. Like, even when you play Monopoly, it sucks when you lose. It's a lot of fun when you win. In a lot of ways, life is no different. We're playing a game. And listen, I don't, don't be shitty to people. I, I kind of believe in uh, an afterlife and a version of karma. Like, I have a very firm belief in providing value and not being shitty towards other people. But then I also see life very much so as winning and losing. Uh, and I could not have related more to his Machiavellian speech when he get, do you know, do you know which one I'm talking about when he's talking to like the new news anchor guy? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, and he's explaining like the, the, the ethics of running this newspaper yeah. and it's like, this is about, this isn't about like, you know, being a good journalist. It's, yeah, about, it's about winning with, and we yeah. are winning. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, okay. but, but he yeah. did get to hang on to that, like little bit of integrity being, we, uh, you well, know, it was the end justify the means thing that I think what we're doing is more important than the socialists. The socialists on the left, they're not playing fair, and for us to play fair and lose the battle would be a mistake. I don't agree with him on that, but that's kind of his philosophy. Well, the other side of it too, he's always been able to hang his head on that Fox's uh, slogan for twenty years or whatever it was: "We report, you decide." Right. So he's like, we are just giving the counter viewpoint to the American people. And if that's what they want to go with, then more power to them. You know, like I genuinely think CNN is psyched that Trump won the presidency because now they get to better ratings for them. Hundred percent. I I don't think that's true. It's interesting, but I don't think that's true. Really? Yeah. No, 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 I think they're more deep state than that. And their profits are coming from other places and they got a bigger agenda than just ratings. But I could be wrong. Um, Now, I want to take a look at the Kavanaugh hearing because. What's very interesting about that is that I, you know, I watched... You mean the Mueller testimony? Thank you. 
Thank you. I, you know, I just think hearings and I think about people getting away with rape and, you know, what's really so great about our culture. Just and, drinking some yeah, cab wisers. Exactly. You know, <laughs> sometimes I get confused. Um, I watched probably a good three hours of the uh, of the, the Mueller thing. Maybe it's, maybe more than that. You I have really, a very sad life. I really watched a lot of it. But then what I was realizing is most people watch zero of it. Not only do they watch zero of it. They don't even watch, like, the direct highlight clips of it. If anything, they look at the headlines of what the news stations have to say about it, and they get a general flavor based on, like, if you're a person who likes CNN or you're a person who likes MSNBC, if you're a person who likes Mark Levin or you're a person who likes Rachel Maddow, you listen to maybe one minute of their interpretation, and that just becomes your flavor for what took place. I think that's the—and that's the more informed. Some people don't even look at that. The more informed of people will look at the headline and see what the headline interpretation was and go, okay, I kind of understand what happened. Do you feel like that's a fair char- characterization of the way most people probably kind of follow what's going on in politics? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I am in, of the category that has no clue what's going on. I thought this shit came out months ago and we all decided <laughs> it was nothing and that was it. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so what happened was basically Mueller's report came out and there was nothing. And what the Democrats were hoping was that if they could actually get Mueller to give testimony, more people um, would actually, this is the words they were used. People don't read, they're not going to read the report, but they'll watch the movie. So if Mueller comes out and he tells you that there were some really alarming things that happened, they might get the news highlights that they need to show on CNN to get the nation in an uproar so that possibly they can move forward with impeachment. Now, Mueller shows up and it basically verified what my view for a long time was. He's a prosecutor. Prosecutor couldn't come up with enough evidence. He never had enough evidence. For two years, he stayed behind the scenes so that they could continue to, you know, play off the news that uh, the president's under investigation. It finally came time for him to turn the report in. It turns out that the report has nothing in it. Then after the report has nothing in it, he tries to spin it in this backwards thing that the guy's not exonerated. Then he gets pulled in. He finally has to give testimony, and it couldn't go worse. He has to basically, um, he had to watch last week's part of the problem. He gave up on this idea that, uh, that, uh, he gave up on this idea that he wasn't like this whole double standard of exoneration. And he admitted that there was no standard, um, by which he wasn't allowed. Yeah. You have a question on that? Yeah. From what I understood, right. And this is still my understanding from what I've, I have parsed together from the headlines I haven't been able to avoid is from what everything I'm understanding is that if Trump does not win this reelection, he may go to jail. Is there any smoke to that fire? Yes. So what you just said is the most fascinating part of this entire thing. The most fascinating part. So the takeaway from Mueller's testimony was one of three things. What you just said was the democratic CNN spin for like they they wanted to push two things. They wanted to push, oh, Mueller's confirmed that Trump can still go to jail, which still creates this image that Trump's actually guilty and that just because he's president, he's protected. And two is that Mueller's confirming the fact that there's a Russian threat that even though we can't confirm that, you know, uh, Donald Trump colluded, it's very clear that the Russians were interfering in our election. So that was the worst of the spin from a meeting that, Okay, so 
I actually, I have a, uh, I was going to play a clip from CNN, but it was exactly that. I was curious to see how is CNN going to twist this thing, and that's how they were twisting it, was, well, it's still clear that Donald Trump might go to jail. So that that's fascinating, because I was wondering if people might be taking that away from this as being the one takeaway, and we just verified yes. Yeah. And I so, am the dumb guy on the couch. <laughs> and in my mind, now there's stakes to this election. Yeah. So uh, th there were exactly three ways that this was spun. On the Republican side, it was, oh, my God, look, this really was the deep state at its worst. And this was absolute lies from the outset. Then you had some Democrats saving face and going, OK, we admit like we overplayed our cards here. This clearly didn't work out well. And it's not even clear if Mueller ever wrote the report or who was really running the scenes here. Then the absolute worst spin that some people were floating was, hey, let's still understand the fact that Donald Trump could go to jail over this. Um, neglecting anything about the complete fraud that Mueller's report was, or, hey, let's not forget the fact that Mueller, who's now basically a disgraced person who was trying to, you know, spin a prosecution while it didn't exist, um, who clearly lied in multiple instances, but they still kind of hold him up on this holy grail of the prosecutor who was looking into this, has verified to th that the Russians were trying to interfere in our election, which, by the way, uh, I I've read reports saying that all of this uh, online, uh, you know, like the social media shit, um, it it it's overplayed. It didn't really have an effect, which was another thing I saw CNN doing was let's understand this was a control grab. This is really interesting. They were also saying, let's not, let's understand that one of the ways that Russia was under able to undermine our country was by disseminating false information on social media. And so therefore, when you're on social media, you might be reading fake Russian information. So you know who's the only place that you should go to to get news, Harrington? Uh, Fox News. Well, it was CNN that was playing this part. It was CNN <laughs> yeah, going, no, I get it. you know, you can't, you can't go onto Twitter. That could be from the Russians. That's what we learned here today. So we're actually the only reliable place to be. So just to kind of go full circle to what we were talking about with the, with the Showtime Roger Ailes thing, the news stations are completely full of shit. No one ever looks at the original source material. No one's really following politics. It's on these guys to take the original source information and create headlines that people just pick up a flavor for. And the proof is in the pudding that your common person, the takeaway is that Donald Trump can still be going to jail. That's fascinating. Hell yeah. Okay. So he can't. It's not that he can't. It's that, yes, technically he can, but there's nothing for him to possibly go to jail for because the people who are prosecuting to see if there was enough evidence to even move forward with the prosecution claim discovered that there wasn't enough evidence. Step one is a prosecution goes, hey, is there enough evidence here? Mueller discovered there wasn't enough evidence. And instead of saying, hey, there's not enough evidence, he pretended like there was some other standard of, well, we're not exon... No, no, you don't exonerate him. That doesn't exist. You're the prosecutor. If you're the prosecutor, there's not enough evidence. The whole thing is fucking thrown out. The other thing that they really showcased that he was being full of shit on is the people that he chose to, uh, to actually prosecute and then the people who he kind of let off the hook. All right, it's enough on the Mueller thing. The other thing I really want to take a look at is uh, David Stockman. I've read um, both of his books and understood almost none of it. But holy shit, is David Stockman informed and fascinating. And now he put out another book I'm going to have to sit down and understand almost none of. Um, but there's one thing that uh, is going to be the next topic that I really do want to explore. And it's a story that I would like to share. And so, Mr. Harrington, I would love it if you could play the uh, 
the tape of this recent David Stockman interview uh, because I do want to uh, give you guys some of the insights from what he said. You're watching Balance of Power. I'm David Weston. When David Stockman was budget director back in 1985, the national debt was approaching $2 trillion, which caused some alarm. Today, it's approaching $22 trillion, which means we are, once again, pressing up against the congressionally imposed limit on government borrowing. Welcome now, David Stockman, President Reagan's budget director, over $16 trillion. No, that's uh, not over $16 trillion, but I'd like it if you did have that much money. He's the (laughs) author of Peak Trump, The Undrainable Swamp, and The Fantasy of M-A-G-A. And he's also a former investment banker and corporate executive. He's coming back to Bloomberg for today's conversation, Chief. So welcome, David. Good to have you. Well, it's obvious the swamp has not been drained. Because <laughs> when we took office in January 1981, the debt was actually under $1 trillion. And the first thing to his great right, regret that Ronald Reagan eyes, had to do was like ask Carl. Congress for an increase in the debt ceiling above trillion, yeah. uh, wow. a trillion dollars. Uh, he, uh, unfortunately, was never able to slow down uh, the growth of the debt because the tax cut got too big, defense got out of control. But that's where it all started. Remember, in 1980, that $1 trillion was 30% of GDP. It had taken a long time to get to that $1 trillion mark. In fact, 38 presidents before him. Uh, here we are today, $22 trillion, and it's actually objectively, this is the important thing, built in $40 trillion. By the end of this 10-year cycle, unless we do something to change fundamental policy, tax and spending and defense and entitlements, we'll be at $40 trillion, 140% of GDP. You can't really live with that when the baby boom's retiring and they're all going on Social Security. Well, which raises the question, does it really matter? I mean, we were in a panic when we went to $2 trillion, now we're at $22 trillion. The country didn't fall apart. We now have people with modern monetary theory saying it doesn't matter. And by the way, they're from the left and the right saying, you know what, as long as we're the, the, the globe's currency, we can borrow as much as we want. That's right. Hell you yeah. stop it there. That's you got to stop it there. So th- that was something that you heard and you got excited, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, here's what's very fascinating about that. Stated differently, the fact that we're the global currency of the world means that there's demand for dollars. Right. What that means is people want U.S. dollars. Yeah. And also... The fact that people want U.S. dollars means that they'll continue to both hold our currency and lend us money, essentially, right? Right. And that's both called dollar demand. So what that means is our ability to continue to run a deficit is that people will buy dollars. There's dollar demand. Yeah. Now, here's what's very interesting about our lifestyle being fueled by dollar demand is that a lot of times you'll hear moral arguments made by people on the left saying, how can you not provide health care to this sick person? Or how can you not provide college education to this person? Or how can you not provide money to this, uh, this elderly person? But let's understand that where does that money come from? It's fueled by dollar demand. As stated by this guy and the people on the left is that since there's demand for U.S. dollars, we don't have to worry about what our levels of spending are. And I think if you start looking into what are some of the things that we do in the world to ensure that the dollar remains the currency of the world, activities such as wars in the Middle East to make sure that um, that we remain on the petrodollar, things like China not allowing, you know, manipulating its currency, whereas opposed to letting U.S. dollars into its country, which would then basically have a... Um, 
if China let US dollars actually into its currency as opposed to lending it back to the US, which it did for a very long time, you would have appreciation of the Chinese currency, which would also mean that the workers working in China, when they're paid, whatever their salary is, it would actually be worth more money and they'd have more purchasing power. So a lot of times, like even in that regard, when, when China was lending money back to us, it's like we're kind of profiting off the slave labor of people in China. So this is something that I haven't fully explored, but I do 100% know that when people are making a moral argument of, hey, how do we not pay for these things? How do we not pay for healthcare for these people? It's all being fueled by dollar demand. And if we really look at the things that we're doing in the world to make sure that the dollar remains the currency of the world and that other countries will lend us money and that there is dollar demand, what we would see is that it's actually some really fucked up shit and that it's actually insanely immoral. And uh, that's something I'm going to be doing more research on and we're going to have more episodes about in the future. Uh, but th it was so interesting when people kind of almost mistakenly admit to something that's actually really horrible. Does that make sense, Mike? Oh, dude, I have processed this since uh, I was like 12 years old and I was going to a summer camp uh, where they hired like a bunch of uh, European people and they explained to me why they hated America. And it was essentially that like, yeah, we give aid to Costa Rica, but like in uh, return for that, it's like they got to sell us like 10,000 bananas at like, you know, uh, one cent a piece. You know what I mean? So that they can have like food and clean water. And it's like, you know, that is what makes the American economy work, and that kind of makes us scumbags, but, like, whatever. Fucking pieces of shit. All right, yeah, so fuck we're going to watch a little bit more of this uh, David Stockman video who not only explains, firstly, why th this system isn't working, but then he'll also kind of lay on the fact that we've got this massive... Um, our debt's growing, we're at peak employment, we're not saving money, and as the baby boomers start to retire, which means it is going to forcefully increase the, both the spending and the amount of money coming in, this obviously is a recipe for disaster. So I don't think we're going to watch the entire video because we went fucking heady on politics today. Uh, and we've got some sandwich talk that we got to get to in a minute, but I do want to watch a little bit more of it. Roll the tape, Mike Harrington. Really ridiculous because if that were true, why bother with 22 trillion of debt? Let's have 50 trillion, 100 trillion. Let's dump money out of the sky from helicopters and tell everybody to have a party. Who needs to work? Just have the government or the Fed print the money. That's crazy as hell. And we've reached the point where we are today on the debt because the Fed has accommodated the Congress over and over with these uh, easy policies that have made it possible to finance the debt at artificially low interest rates. But, you know, we have 400 trillion, uh, I mean, we had 4.5 trillion balance sheet at the Fed, 22 trillion worldwide. It's the central banks that have enabled the politicians to pretend that there's free lunches, that fiscal doesn't matter, and that the debt you see, can it's keep all growing. The Fed. Well, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not sustainable. Are there two elements here? One is overall, how much are we money? borrowing? How yeah. far are we going in debt? The other is, what are we borrowing I for? The Fed was our friend. Uh, and they're no, separate no, no, issues. Uh, if we were investing all of this money in, in profitable things, if you were a corporation and the capital investment yeah. returned benefits, then it wouldn't be so bad to, to borrow some money. Well, first of all, the government's borrowing money rarely uses it productively, okay? <laughs> a lot of it goes to defense. We're spending way too much money on defense, and it doesn't do any good economically anyway. The rest is going to entitlements which keep people, uh, you know, in dollars, but it doesn't help the economy grow over time. If we look at the private side, oh, wait, there's pause been it for an a second. explosion of debt. Business 
I think he just said, we spend a lot of the money in defense, which helps keep people in dollars, but it's not actually an investment that helps anybody. Well, no, that was entitlements, he said. No, rewind. I think he said, uh, I could be wrong. Much money on defense, and it doesn't do any yeah, good defense. economically Hold anyway. On. The rest is going to entitlements, which keep people, uh, you know, in dollars, there but it go. doesn't help the economy grow over time. If we look at the private side, there's been an explosion of debt. Business debt was ten trillion at the time of the crisis. It's fifteen trillion All right, now. You can stop what here. did they? If you're very interested in the exact specifics of why the debt in this country is so horrible and how that money originates at the fed and what the real cost to all of us is of printing this money and the fed being in control of low interest rates i recommend going to listen to that interview it's all of eight minutes long you can listen to it twice and uh he puts he lays out the argument pretty perfectly So one of the big things that we love to explore in the show is that when we can talk to real life people trying to run a business, have a family, or maybe not even have a family, maybe we're just a dude who want more money to bang other dudes. We're not judging. The point is you're out there, you're trying to live your life. And sometimes the government with licensing laws, with unions, with all the little bullshit and grifts and scams that it's doing to protect the wealth of some people and steal it from others. I think the little micro stories get lost and kind of talk in the big politics. So we like to talk to the individuals out there confronting government, robbing them of, our, of their wealth. So today we've got Elijah. He lives out in uh, California and he's got a story for us about how the unions are uh, robbing him of his wealth. So Elijah, are you there? Well, okay. So first off, uh, my colleagues and I got into this. Uh, it's just a very, uh, we were pretty uh, agile. We're lean. So there's only a couple of us running the operation, but we run a brokerage. So we broker freight Um the majority of which, well, all of which we specialize in um, shipping containers. So you're looking at the sea boxes that go overseas. You the know, shadiest uh, of industries. What's that? The shadiest of industries. <laughs> shadiest. No. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a lot of shady shit that goes on at the port, but I mean, we can get into that later. Um, yeah, so, you know, we, we, so the company that I work for, we're a brokerage that brokers out freight to local independent contractors that ship containers, you know, to and from the Port of Oakland. What we generally do out here is uh, we do a lot of exporting because, you know, I like we said earlier, I'm in California. I'm actually smack dab in the middle of the Central Valley. I mean, we see half the world here. Um, you've got the biggest almond export business in the world right here in, like, the... 30 mile radius where I live and work. And, uh, what they're, what the whole, the, the government stealing our wealth thing, uh, that's where like AB five comes in. I mean, they're constantly, I mean, there's constant DOT regulation. There's constant involvement in that. Like they, they regulate the piss out of everybody. I mean, you know, just getting into like the business fresh. I mean, you're looking at, you're not even going to be out of debt for the first couple months. Um, and then, uh, so AB5 is a bill that um, is based on some legislation that got passed, uh, and I'm going to get my facts wrong here, but it was in, I think, Minnesota, where um, a bad actor, a private company, had reclassified some drivers as uh, independent when they technically weren't, and now they're trying to use that, um, I don't know what the courts call it, you can help me out here, Rob, like, what, precedent? So basically they had full-time workers that they were trying to W-9 so that they didn't have to, you know, do the withholding tax. Is that what was going on? 
I don't, I think it was actually to avoid something else. I think it was because these were people that were like leasing to own with them, but I, I might have my details wrong on that. So like they um, just didn't, but, they, then they could basically probably throw uh, insurance responsibilities onto the independent drivers. Exactly. It, became, well, it probably became like a leasing scheme where it's like they never owned a truck, they never owned a business. It was all yes. private contractors who leased the truck to run their own businesses. And that yes. way, yeah, it was probably something like that. Yep, that's exactly it. You explained it better than I would. You're, you're a little bit smarter than I am, a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> but, uh, I should get so, into the scam so yeah, business, so, man. I just fucking won that one. Someone should be hiring me. I'll think of scams. <laughs> hey, uh, you'll be the next person I hire. I can't pay you as well as uh, as, uh, as you're getting paid over there by hey, this, probably. You'd probably be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> you offer sandwiches oh, for lunch? You What's that? You offer sandwiches for lunch? Uh, do you know, there's a, there's a dynamite sandwich place right across, like, catty corner from my yard here. All right. That, like, yeah, yeah, uh, cold sandwiches, hot sandwiches. It's actually like a deli. They make special, they specialize in, like, sausage and linguiza and tri-tip and stuff like that. It's pretty dope. It's called I Wilson's. See, I can promote the heck out of them. You also, you already have more office equipment than I have, and you got the slick little phones for making sales calls. So, uh, who knows, man? Maybe some fucking sausage sandwiches. I'm making sales over there in no time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can make some sales for us, Rob. Come on out, dude. <laughs> you know, we're only about an hour and a half from the coast, an hour and a half from the mountains, dude. You can snowboard and you can suntan the same day. That is a pretty good pitch. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so tell um, us yeah, about so, this AB5. Okay, so um, so so essentially what, what I wanted to talk to you about is what it, like, kind of, you know, I, I remember it was something you and David hit on on your show, and it kind of struck me, like, what, what it, it's a cartel. That's essentially what these unions are. And so AB5, all they're trying to do is reclassify drivers in order to unionize. I mean, we, we watched the slow creep of this in every other industry in California, and there's not much, I mean, shit, the only thing you got left is a couple independent companies like Amazon's distribution centers and the farmers out here before everything's unionized, you know, it's getting bad. Got you. And so what happens in terms of like, if it unionizes, that doesn't allow you to do what you do, which is privately, you know, put together these freights. Is that, is that like, it, well, it kind of prices you out? Well, the, the well, no, it doesn't price us out. Um, what what I'm what my fear is is that this is I, it doesn't affect me now. Uh, don't get it twisted; it's not something that's going to affect me in the next couple years. Right. But down the line, it is definitely going to affect me because that's what the, that's what happens. And so, you know, they, they pass this piece of legislation. You know, we've seen this in in just about every like uh, clean air bill in California. I mean, it's crazy the regulations we have on the trucks out here, and and. It's all, it all works the same way. They introduce one bill and then they change the wording with an amendment. And then there's another, uh, you know, bill that comes down the line and it's, it doesn't stop. And then you know? before you know so, it, you're being taxed for farting outdoors. That's what they do. It starts with, yeah, Hey, yes. if you're going to run a car, we got to make sure that the emissions are up. And then once you get, yeah. let, let the government legisl legislate, you know, clean air quality. Next thing you know, you eat a little too much of lunch. You fart a big one outdoors and the tax man showing up saying you owe him a little money for polluting the air quality. That's the way. Well, yeah, which you and I know in the Austrian, being from the Austrian school of thought, you know, if you can't fart greasy farts outdoors without paying a tax, nobody's going to shop at Wolfson's Westside Locker here in Gusty. Yeah, and because we're, and we're trying to keep the good gonna... sandwich places in business. So what are we going to come out as anti-farts? That's insane. 
Yeah, insanity, Rob. I, I get where you're coming from. All right, so let's actually uh, lay out a little bit of the facts so that we can better understand what's going on here. So currently, well, so, the, so, yeah. so the so the companies that are going to be affected by this, um, the, I think some of the biggest, and they don't need any more interference because they're already underwater as it is, but Uber and Lyft, because, I mean, you're talking, if, if they reclassify everyone as an employee, well, in the state of California, if you employ someone, you're... you're uh, responsible to take care of workers' compensation insurance, um, all kinds of other, I mean, they're not direct taxes in the right. sense of written in the law a tax, but if you understand the tax code and all the requirements, it's like you just get hit with all kinds of penalties as far as insurance that you might not need to pay. Like, why are you paying workers' compensation on a guy, like in an Uber's, you know, defense, right? Okay, so why am I paying workers' compensation if I'm Uber to a gentleman or a, or a woman, you know, can't offend the ladies, uh, you know, are driving their own car that have locks on their own door, that's all their own property, and now I have to pay workers' compensation insurance on that person if they slip up on, a, on a banana peel so going outside to get a smoke, you know? Let's slightly better explain the situation. So essentially, you take Uber and Lyft and you have a voluntary exchange between workers and tech companies Tech companies Correct. created a technology where they have the ability to be matchmakers between people looking for a ride and people that are willing to provide a ride. Everybody they wins. They do my job. Yes, yeah. they do my job basically in a in a streamlined fashion because they don't really have to worry about freight costs right. things but like be, that. Like before we get into yeah, the same freight, kind of deal. Before we get into the freight, I just want to explain government stepping in yes, and what sorry. exactly they're looking to do. So you have a tech company and they're great at being matchmakers between individuals who want to drive their cars and get paid for it and people that are looking for rides. In that situation, yes. it's a voluntary exchange between customers, tech companies taking a percentage for their technology of being matchmakers, and also marketing their platform and policing their platform so that users feel comfortable using it. And then the drivers who decide, hey, this is an okay wage for me to work at, to, for me to work at. Then government steps in and they say, hey, listen, we have to protect the workers, and so therefore we're going to create laws that say that this kind of an exchange between workers voluntarily working at a company cannot exist. If you're going to work at a company, it can't be as a private contractor using somebody's technology. It's almost like a franchise model where you're using their name even though you're an independent contractor. You have to actually be employed by that company, which then forces them to provide certain things such as uh, um, life, you know, insurance, licensing, all the things that you're describing, which then erodes the entire profit model that was put in place. And then all of a sudden you end up with a business that was profitable, serving the marketplace and creating work opportunities for people that the government just legislated out of existence. Well done, Rob. Hell well yeah. done. So, exactly. You fucking nailed it, buddy. <laughs> I thought you were a comedian, not a fucking economist. You I'm sound not. like Bob Murphy. I'm uh, I'm just a dumbass, uh, you know, who whatever can sometimes participate <laughs> in the right direction. It's almost like uh, you know, like those those preacher people and you know, they they get into uh, what what do they what do they call that when they just start like L mumbling little shit? Dance. What? Yeah, it's like that. Yeah. With speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. It's the it's it's my version of speaking in tongues, but intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the power of the Holy Spirit came over you. I exactly. Guess. Bob Murphy came inside of me, and I was able to. Explain <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Bob Murphy came inside Robbie Burns. Exactly. Bernstein, well, sorry. when you say it Robbie that way, five. it sounds a little bit disgusting, but everyone understands. Uh, <laughs> So now to go with you, so you're a little bit larger. 
I mean, you're not larger. You're a little bit more niche than Uber. Uber hasn't gone into the freight business, but essentially in creating uh, a new standard by which these people have to be considered workers, you can't just become a matchmaker who captures a spread between pricing out getting a freight from here to here for a worker to go, hey, I'll take that on, and then you basically are able to mark it up and capture that. Yeah, I mean, you, you pretty you explained it. Let me just give you a different wording, just because it might even make more sense to, because not everybody's, I'm, you know, they're more on my level. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, I'm good at getting freight from, we're, we're good at getting freight, getting the, the, the business from certain customers in the area, and we, we service those customers by selling those contracts to independent contractors on a day-by-day basis. Yeah. And that's the sense. And like you said, you know, we take a cut because, you know, we're facilitating the movement of that. We cover all of the, you know, logistics part of it as far as when that container has to make it to the port. I mean, because all this stuff's time sensitive. Those ships, you know, they can't sit at port for days on end. So you've got to make yeah, cutoffs. Those, those Asian workers will die in three days. You know, when you, <laughs> I said those Asian hookers will die in three days when you package them up. Yeah, in yeah Singapore. exactly. And you, you, and you can't freeze them. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't freeze them. So then the reefer businesses, you know, they, they don't work for that. Uh, okay. So the other thing that you touched upon is um, in, in terms of actually being in the field and working in this industry is that you said that in other countries, a lot of shipping has actually been automated, which obviously would significantly reduce costs in the time that it takes to ship things around the world. Uh, but then in the U.S. and Canada, because of the strength of some unions, there's a lot of stuff that's being done manually as opposed to by automatic technology solely because some people seem to have a protection racket. Uh, so can you tell us a little yes. bit about that? Well, I guess that's a multi... Let me, let me start with the reason it's a protection racket, because that, that, that way I don't get lost here. Um, the reason it's a protection racket is the union works like this, and I don't think anybody really knows this outside of it, is that, so you're issued, like, there's only so many union cards, right? Yeah. Think of them like you own, a, you own a $5 bill that there's only so many of, right? Yeah. Well, that union card, you, so you as a union employee get salary increases, and those deals are negotiated usually, usually through the union colluding with the government and colluding with, you know, everybody else to get these huge contracts and they're able to pay absorbent amounts of money to the people that work there. Well, and as you get these raises, you know, you never get a decrease in, in wages. Well, say Papa, you know, my, my grandpa, right, works there. And then my dad takes his union card when he retires. And that's passed on to me. Well, I might be making $250,000 a year by now jerking off on a forklift. Hell yeah. So explain to me how that's economical at all. I mean, I could employ, you know, a uh, hundred of those people, you know, or sorry, 10 of those people for that amount of money. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's... It's insane, and that's how it works. So, and, and really, you know, I don't want to rag on anybody that handles or moves heavy equipment at the port, but, I mean, you're driving a crane. You're driving a forklift. It's not something that merits making hundreds of thousands of dollars at the expense of the private companies that own the ports that are, you know, trying to facilitate the exchange of goods overseas. I mean, you know, and then, which brings you to another point, right? So it's like, if you're... Um, indirectly paying the salary of all of these employees, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for each a year, which then you could get much lower cost with a market, you know, scheme, right? That's all passed on to the consumer. Yeah. You know, where, you know might... where this becomes really apparent is, uh, firstly, just talking to the, the union thing that you're talking about, if you ever want to read an interesting example of that, and Artie Lang's too fat to fish, 
He talks about how basically someone set him up with not necessarily a mob boss person, but someone who was connected who was able to get him into the union. And then he was talking about how he was started making like a hundred grand a year, just basically standing on the port with this protected job where they took orange juice off of whatever freight was coming in. Um, but a lot of the reason why we have crumbling infrastructure in this country and we're not able to fix things is because where I live in New York and the MTA is a train wreck and a lot of it is because of the unions and the fact that these people get inflated wages and the actual... Yeah, it's called Caltrans out west. We have the same thing. We, it's called Caltrans here, yeah. but yes. And so, but Sorry, the, the, No, no, it's cool. The cost of that, though, is that it seems like everyone goes, oh, union and protected workers and workers have to have these great jobs, but there's a huge, econo there's a huge economic loss that... All all of us can't get to work in an, you know it, 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 as quickly as we otherwise would have. Like we don't have roads that work as well, and they're, they're, it's mostly an economic loss that things that would be functioning quicker and more efficiently aren't because we're just it, it's like a handout to these these single individuals who are in the protected class at the cost of everybody. That's really what it is. And, and that's what I wanted to touch on is the last point you made. You know, I mean that that's just it is the moral hazard of it. That that's my real issue. Is it, you know. The reality is it doesn't work, but, you know, a lot of people that justify it don't live in reality, so let's talk about, you know, the morality of it, right? Yeah. Well, is, are you any more fucking loyal if you offer a protected job to one individual that you like more than other individuals? And it's really never a meritocracy. It's almost always nepotism that these unions are based on. If you, if you look at the circles that all these executives for the unions run in, they're all friends of one another or cousins or brothers. I mean, it's ridiculous, and it's, it's at the local level, too. I mean, it's always like that. It's seniority-based. It's not a meritocracy. There's no market function of the union at all. I mean, it's completely anti-market. It's the most socialist, monster thing you can come up with. All right. So, last question for you. You said that you've actually seen the uh, harmful economic uh, results of the trade war that's currently going on between us and China. So, tell us a little bit about what you're actually seeing in the shipping industry. Well, so, check this out. So, if you follow, like, uh, I don't know if you ever listen to, like, Peter Schiff. Great, great for this stuff. And, and he breaks it down, even though he, I don't even think he really has an intricate knowledge of the shipping industry, but he talks about inventories in the United States. And how, if you look at the numbers, right, well, if you just track when Trump started talking about the tariffs, right, people don't pay attention because these indicators lag three months behind before they get the numbers, but inventories were going way up last year. By the time the stock market panic happened in 2018, what was it, December, when it started going down and we had a huge fall, a lot of that was based on the amount of numbers that moved out of the warehouses, like what they projected versus what they moved and what they had storage for and upcoming shipments. It just does nothing lined up. It complete, it's like complete intervention into the like real economy. It like, you know, what you guys talk about all the time. So when you have tons of inventory, and it didn't move during the holiday season. Well, all of those warehouses, I mean, they're full. So what that's done is if you look at, like, just in my small area as an example, if you look at Oakland, I mean, the numbers that are coming out and they're just starting to trickle in, it's showing that it's been the most dead that it's, you know, I don't, I don't know when it's been this slow during this time of year. I mean, it's always slower from the, like, you know, April to, like, June, July months. But we're talking, you know, you've got a terminal that moves thousands of trucks a day through there every single day, and you can go look at the camera during peak hours, and it's empty. And they've got guys, and, and Rob, you would enjoy this. They, I, I know just by looking at Google Maps that somebody is being employed to go in there and Photoshop Google Maps to, sh to show that there's no containers in that port 
because right. inventories are super high there. You can even look at the Google Map images, and they're all photoshopped. It's, it's hilarious if you actually just study it because, for a bit. Because they, they don't want people to know that they have full inventory? Huge inventories just sitting there. Yeah. And why don't they and, want... And, and, inventories of empty containers because they're not moving, you know? Oh. I don't know what the incentive is. See, I'm just, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying I don't know what the incentive is. I'm just saying quite literally, you could go check it out for yourself. Go look so at the Port words, of Oakland and just zoom in on Google Maps. On the ground, you're you're seeing that obviously there's significantly less goods going back and forth between borders because you're actually at the, the, at the sites that goods usually move. And for some reason, they're actually artificially trying to make it seem like goods are still moving back and forth. When you know that yes. they're doctoring images of full, yes. that's fascinating. Hey, do me a favor. Send that's us a picture of, I'd love to, let's break this story. Send us a picture of the full, uh, I mean, the the yard filled with I containers. Can, I can show you some, I can I can send you some images. I mean, yeah, send, it's going to look doctored but because they, they are, but it's just Google images. It's Google Maps. No, no, you're saying that the Google images are of uh, are a doctored. yard that's completely empty, where in reality they're totally full, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, so like, you, you can see it on the cameras because the Port of Oakland has cameras at the terminals, and they purposely adjust them to where you can't see the yard a lot of the time. But I mean, it, it's it's quite it's fascinating. Can you get us a picture of the full yard? That's what I'm saying. Let's break this story. I don't know. I could try like an actual picture. I mean, I could drive to Oakland, but shit, man, I'm not an investigative journalist. So I might I might do that this weekend. We'll see if I have time. All right, again, just in if you're there, I want I want a full breakdown of every sandwich you ate there and back. Like, be a real muck. Cracker. Get on the case. No, I'm telling you, man. The only sandwich gig you need is right here in town, Wolfson's West Side Locker. If I can plug anything, that's what I'm plugging. If you're out here in, in Egypt, or as we like to call it, Gustine, California, go to Wolfson's West Side Locker. They got your sausage, they got your linguisa, they got your sandwiches. Love it. It's a, it's a hey, spot. you're a shipping guy. I, I, we wanted to explore uh, if there's a way that people can safely send us sandwiches in the mail so that we could review it on air. Is there a way? It, does that tech exist? What do, you, what do they got to do? Send it in a cooler? How do we how do we get that done so that we can review sandwiches? Wait, you want to you, you want to do like like Amazon sandwich? Is that is that, is no, that what we're I getting want, at? Sorry. I want if a listener makes a sandwich and they think it's that good that we that they want to get a run your mouth sandwich certified or they got a restaurant in the area and they want to know whether or not Ooh. we think it's of a quality that they can Ooh. buy a sandwich, put it on like in a cooler and ship it to us so that we can review uh, the quality I, of the Rob, sandwiches. You need to- you need to email me the physical address of Gas Digital Network, and I'll try to get all you guys a sandwich. Let me know how many sandwiches. <laughs> I'll see what I can work out with Vance. Uh, yeah, I used to work for him when I was in high school. Maybe I can work something out. Wait, so the technology exists to safely send sandwiches in the mail? Uh, I don't know, but I'll figure it out, Rob. I'm pretty resourceful. I think if I put, like, a cooler in a cardboard box and maybe, all like, right. paid some, you know, FedEx driver and beer and, and weed, maybe he'd get it there in a day. I don't know, maybe some cocaine, too, to help him out. All right. We'll be in touch about it. Thanks so much for calling in, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'll do it again. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks, Rob. All right. Awesome. Uh, Harrington, it seems to me like we got some other callers in the room ready to go. What's up? You look handsome. Well, thank you, buddy. You look especially nice today. You put on a shirt I and feel everything. nice. Well, uh, yeah. Are you, uh... I look, I look tan. I look right? tan? A lot of time on my bike. No, you look pale as fuck. 
It's oh, like I that. and I look nice. I felt good there for a second. No, you do look nice. But oh, thanks, buddy. You look pale. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> we've been we've been uh, summer porch touring pretty hard. You know, I I, I went all the way out there uh, at professor's house. We we went all the way to out to your house, even though you didn't have chairs for us. We did the uh, smoke out, bug out. Get the fuck it was, back. It, it wasn't. It Walk was, it back a little. <laughs> you you came out to my house two weeks before I moved in. And the point is, we've been out Look on the road. Sh- summer porch touring hard. Wait, this is the new house? Yeah, of course. This is my Holy living shit. room, bitch. That looks fucking nice, man. That looks like I you know. guys really put it all together. It looks oh, way yeah. less creepy and ghost-like with furniture in it. Look at Yosef yeah. looking like he's not squatting. <laughs> looking like an actual homeowner. So, <laughs> Yosef, it's nice to have you with us to be checking in, and we've got uh, quite a backlog of food topics that I, I'd like to get into. Sure. Okay. First is I just, just want to let – yeah. I don't want to talk about anything, any Stanford uh, eateries. What are you talking about? That was mainly what I wanted to get into a little bit. That was what I didn't want to talk about. Why do you want to talk about Stanford eateries? I just I, – I feel like it's already been covered. You, wait, you're offended that we did the shed cast and talked about Stanford places? No, I'm just saying I feel like it's been covered. You mean like there's not there's no other rocks to be turned in terms of Stanford eating? Zero. No, I feel like there's a bigger problem here. What's the issue? <laughs> well – there's there's a large problem. I just don't want to talk about Stanford eateries. What's well, I, what's uh, what's I, the I issue? Had, I had like you know three or four Stanford related eating things that I wanted to delve into. I know, and I told you I didn't want to talk about it, but you wait, don't listen. Wait, when did you tell me that? You didn't get my uh, email reply, I guess. Oh, jeez, no. I guess you don't don't look now. Like, oh, you're scrambling like to look for the email. I sent it out at like two o'clock. Wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab the evidence. Let's see, let's let's see, uh, let's see what came in. Let's see what came in. No, uh, I think Mike wants to present a Stanford uh, eatery. What was that? That that would be it. Would be such a fucking letdown for Robbie. Like Robbie just told me the idea before this, and I was like, oh hell yeah! For you to just throw this whole segment under the bus is really shitty. <laughs> Wait, I I'll see. talk about it. I'm just I'm just saying that like I feel like all the places that you you listed have already been covered on the Run Your Mouth podcast. He wait, I actually don't see anything in your email about not wanting to talk about Stanford eateries. Yeah, he's just butt hurt oh. about the Shedcast, dude. Yeah, no, why, why you butt hurt about the Shedcast? I literally said those were already discussed, and I don't think I care to add to those. Scratch number two from the list. The email that I'm looking at is probably going to be a call-in and not making a whole ordeal ordeal over cherry pie. Those cream pies, though, holy crap. Okay, thoughts on your topic and what to add or stuff I don't want to discuss. Love the potato bread is listed as 4 and 7. We can definitely discuss potato bread. Jesus, okay, fine. Don't need to ram it down. Lakes, oh, I, I okay, I didn't see that you noted my notes. Lakeside okay. Diner, the Wedge Inn, Donut Delight, those were already discussed, and I don't think I care to add to those. Scratch number two from the list. However, I went on the road. I went back to Stanford. I visited these establishments solely that we could come back to the podcast and discuss them, unless I'm having a fucking moment that we re-brought up Lakeside Diner and Wedge Inn on the podcast. I feel like that was something that we were going to report in on. 
Didn't you talk about those places? Like, I listened to the show. I thought I spoke about those to you in person and not on the show. I could be having a fucking senior moment that here. We covered all that on the Shedcast. No, I, no, no, no. Hold on a second. We were on the Shedcast. And while we were on the Shedcast, those guys brought up that they thought that the Lakeside Diner had better donuts than the diner that I had mentioned. So when I was in Connecticut the other week, I said, I very specifically have to go to the Lakeside Diner so that I could eat here and see whether or not that that was an accurate claim by the Shedcast boys. I decided I was going to go on the road and test it myself. I also had never eaten at the Wedge Inn. They were talking about the Wedge Inn. So I decided, let me go see what the Wedge Inn is all about. Then I texted you what my report was. And then when we were going to do the next episode, I was going to bring up that I'd revisited these establishments. I did my homework and here's my analysis. Is that something that we already did on the show? Or is that something that we just were kind of spitballing around, which was more as background logistics work so that we'd be prepared for when we did it here? I think as Mike said, like, you know, at at a certain point, you could only say so much about the wedge fucking in. I got uh, so much more on the wedge in. I actually went there. I want to tell people that it's actually pretty decent, but it's not, like, world-class decent. I was going to give my fucking breakdown on it. Same with well, the Lakeside Diner. What sandwich did you get? Um, I got multiple sandwiches. I made three, three trips back there in two days. And it's just okay? <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, okay. there's there's no way you could go a third time and it just be, oh, nothing, nothing magical. Well, you see, apparently there is more to discuss about the Wedge Inn. <laughs> Would you look yeah. at that? When we mention it, suddenly it's of interest. All right, you know what? I've only I've only walked in there once ever. Apparently, you know, listen. For some reason, Yosef, Yosef's upset about us for talking about Stanford food topics when we did the uh, no. the shed cast. So here's I'll, what we'll do. I'll, I, no, I, I'll, I'll talk about listen. new. I'll talk about new places. Oh, that's fine. So that weren't discussed. We're, we're going to get to the other food topics here, and then once we hang up on you, I'll give my review of the Lakeside Diner and the Wedge Inn. Because, you know, I, I went like out and I did my man. homework so that I could uh, get back to the people about whether or not those establishments were worthwhile. And I'm, I'm surprised that you're, you're very, I'll, that you're I'll so anti these establishments. I'm not, I, I never said that. I just said, I, you know, like, it's one thing if you wanted to go into whole diatribe about at another eatery or another topic that, that could be discussed. I feel like they each got their proper due. I had so much more information on it, but it's okay. You know, why, why we, uh, we're, we're poking a dead frog at this point. Let's get into some of the other things that we wanted to discuss. Um, what kind of Tom Sawyer ass saying was that? What? We're poking a dead frog. I don't know. It came out of my mouth. So I, I rolled with felt it. like something out of Mark Twain. Maybe. I don't know. Did Mark Twain use that expression a lot? I don't know. All right. We're getting fucking derailed here. We're all, we're, it's late at night. You know, we didn't eat enough snacks. Everyone's being hostile and picking at each other. Yosef has no excuses. You're 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 at home court. I bet you even recently ate dinner. I yeah, I ate a late dinner. Nice. What was on the menu? I had a um morning star chipotle fake meat crumble things. That sounds terrible. In, uh, oh, they're fantastic. Okay. Um with I guess like in uh a wrapper taco. I don't know how you want to say that and then just uh, some cold leftover <laughs> pasta. 
All right, really yeah. living well. It sounds boring. like someone spent all of their income on the house <laughs> and is going to be eating <laughs> shitty dinners for a little while, which I understand. That's yeah. why I don't make those kind of investments. Yeah. I'm not We're, letting uh, kids or investments get in the way of my sandwiches. That's the lifestyle decision I made. And that's therefore, fair. And th that's why he doesn't want to talk about these fine uh, eateries because he can't afford right. to eat in them right now. At least we've cracked the mystery. So now here's something that you can afford, and it was on the list. People wanted Hold to on. know what our opinion on potato bread was. <laughs> that that was actually a write-in. People wanted to know potato what we thought. is so fucking good. Potato bread, if you're eating white bread, it's the better version of white bread. Like any sandwich that you would ever eat with white bread, you're upgrading by eating it with potato bread instead. I think any sandwich, period, is enhanced. Any any sandwich that's on just like regular. That's what I mean by white bread. If yeah, there's any bread yeah, yeah. in your, if there's any sandwich in your head that you affiliate with being made on white bread, you've just upgraded I'm, it. I'm by even talking it, just any any square bread. Any square bread. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Even even well, if it's like something that that should go on whole wheat, yeah. if you're putting it on potato bread, it's, it's going to be better. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I see where you're coming from because even though I love rye bread. In most situations, if you substitute it, you, you love rye bread to extremes, further <laughs> extremes than, than I, are known I, to man. I love myself some rye bread, but at the end of the day, if I had to compete my rye bread against a Martin's potato bread, in most instances, the Martin's potato bread might win. And might, might, and come and, on, get the fuck out of here. And when we're discussing potato bread. You also got to give props to, and this is the breast brand, but that Martin's potato the bread. bread. Oh my God. The fucking, the roll. Like if you're putting a hamburger on those big, thick Martin potato, Harrington, can you pull up a picture of the sesame seed Martin potato breads? Mm. They got sesame seed on them now? They always had oh, sesame they've always seed had. Yeah. Well, no. well it, it, they come in one of two styles. Like... They got the small ones, which are more for like sliders, which are great. And then they got the big ones for like some big ass hamburgers. I think which they're actually also, called, like, yeah. they're called like jumbo or like big ass <laughs> yeah. bun. Which by the way, those are, I haven't done this in a long time, but those are excellent for like a deli sandwich. You, th you throw some pastrami yeah. on a Martin's yeah, potato the, with the sesame Am I able seed? to share my screen? See, that's what I'm seeing, and so, that clearly has action. no seeds. Oh, so go, you got to look at the jumbo one. I'm all about yeah, the jumbo that's got the sesame Martin. seeds on it. It's it right there. It's on the right. It's on the, the yeah, one over. Oh, yeah, that's the Marty's. one. I've never tried this. Oh my god! Oh, you got to pick. Pull up some pictures of the Big Marty's, dude. But the thing is, these these aren't potato bread. What the Big Marty's aren't? Yeah, not no, potato that, bread. That's got to be fake news. No, no, that's true. Ah, uh, man, if I'm wrong on that, boo on me. I lose some credibility. Oh, you're right. Unbleached wheat flour. It's not potato. Yeah, they're not, it's yeah. not potato. I just did it's control. A regular roll, it's great. I did control F on the ingredient list, and there is no potato. Is there a big yeah, Marty's no. that exist in potato, or no. am I just totally messing up my yeah. big Martin's potato? No, they have mm. a big Martin's potato bun. I'm 100% no, positive about this. Nope. And by 100% positive, I mean I really feel you like I'm no losing confidence point. in this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Martin's Big Marty potato rolls? No, Looks like no just potato. Big Marty's, yeah. All right, yeah I'm going to have to do some big research. One, but that, the thing – no, you don't have to do any research. Well, the, listen, when I was in the – I need to do research. I need to do my homework. No, no, no. You're wrong. 
I, I, you, you listen, you, you don't think that within the last four years they might have changed their product line? And then perhaps there was no. a time there was a time no. when I it's ate a large like Marty's that. potato that had. No. I, I, can I tell you? It's yeah. so good that that hamburger bun is so good it tastes like potato bread. Maybe maybe you're right. Anyways. No, no, I am right. I am right. Why can't I ever be fucking right? Yeah. Oh, I, if anybody proves you wrong, you go, oh, I need to do my homework. I need to do a little bit more research on this. Get the fuck out of here, Robbie. Ooh. Enough, enough with your homework and your research. Listen, no. I'm very quick to go, hey, I was wrong. But sometimes what? there are things I'm pretty quick to admit, or I'll go back and do my homework and go, hey, listen, I looked it up and I was wrong. I'm okay with being wrong. Well, no, no, I know is, you're okay yeah. with being wrong. You're wrong many times, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> you think at some point you'd be wrong enough that you just you'd accept, hey, I'm wrong a lot and I have to be okay with that, which I am. But I really seem to remember, you, you might be right. I, I'm still not 100%. <laughs> so I am... I am on the Martin's website. Uh, yeah. It's called potatorolls.com. Uh, yeah, it because seems... they're known for potato. So everything, it says sandwich potato rolls, long potato rolls, dinner potato rolls, 12 slice potato, 100% whole wheat potato rolls, which what? Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, that's a little confusing. They have hoagie rolls, butter bread, and big Marty's are the only things that do not specifically say potato in the title. So I'm I'm thinking that might be... Uh, you uh, might be wrong about that uh, one, Rob. Point yo safe. Do okay. we actually admit this? Agree to disagree. Without any further homework or research, can I actually get a goddamn point here? Jesus Christ! You know what the uh, the big Marty is best with? Like a big, like medium, maybe even medium rare hamburger mm. with some pastrami on top of it. And this is a perfect lead into our next topic. Actually, before we do our next topic, the other thing I want to say is really excellent on a potato bread. I haven't done this in a long time, but a good fluff and butter sandwich on potato I was bread. Say peanut butter. I was gonna say. I swear. It, yeah, it's it's it enhances everything. It's so fucking good. But specifically, a fluff and butter, dude, yeah. which is uh, peanut butter and fluff on potato bread. Oh my I don't god, think dude. Had- I don't think I've dipped into the marshmallow fluff in oh, dude. at least five to ten years. I mean, it's been a long-ass time, but a fluff another yeah. on potato I would have bread. a fluff another with some banana slices. All right. that that's It's a tweak, but I could see it. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not saying, upset about it. I feel it. like it's, a, it's like a older version of it. What else, what else, if you were going to recommend top three sandwiches that someone should eat on a potato bread, what are they? What do you, what do you, what do you think absolutely pairs like? unbelievably well with the potato bread the thing is it's so like you could have plain potato bread yeah. or to just toasted a lightly toasted and that's that just even that plain it's like oh that's so fucking good one of my favorite sandwiches and i haven't had this in a while because i don't really go uh home for sabbath that often but my mom makes a pretty excellent brisket And I don't know how to describe the style of my mom's brisket because it's not like if you go to a barbecue spot, it's not like that smoked brisket. No, it's not that juicy. It's It's like uh, yeah, it's like a juicy. Maybe you have better words for it. I would say it's a it's a it's a more moist kind of braised brisket, and it comes comes with uh, like a yeah, it comes with like a sauce on it and and like a cooked onion on it, and uh, Mm -hmm. 
my mom makes an excellent brisket. What I used to love, you take a good challah bread, you cut two slices, but like, a, a, and the challah bread is almost very, like some challah breads are very similar to a potato bread sometimes. If you're not, I'm not talking oh, yeah, about a water challah. Type. I'm talking about like an eggy type. The eggy um, very, very yeah. potato bread-like. One of my favorite sandwiches, you take two slices of that, you throw on the brisket. A lot of the brisket actually gets like soaked up in there. You throw that onion on top, no condiments, hot cherry peppers. Hot cherry peppers, brisket, and a challah bread we'll sandwich. Add hot cherry peppers to anything, and like it just. You're I'm a like, big fan. I'm, I'm, I'm having yeah. a bowl of cereal. I'm throwing some hot cherry peppers. In. Like, <laughs> I, do, like, I am a big like, fan of hot cherry peppers. <laughs> you could be like, um, you're at like your local bakery. Like, you guys have any uh, hot cherry peppers here? I, I <laughs> on my brand muffin. Even though it's not technically a condiment, if I had to commit to only one thing that I could place on my meats, like for oh. sandwiches purposes. I think I would commit to uh, hot cherry peppers. I think that would be the thing. Yeah, that w- I would agree that you would do that, that you or, would commit. Or the problem is you, you don't see it often enough, but like a good a good shug can serve the same purpose. Or oh, shug. Or. Is that, a, is that a well-known thing? No. Or is it like. No, we, no, no. We, shug is. Uh, it, it, it's an Israeli condiment made from crushed hot peppers. It comes in a green and red variety. And it's a little bit too expensive for everyday use condiment it's purposes. Like, it's like it's a the maturity. Yeah, it's like the equivalent of an uh, like an olive spread, but for hot peppers. If that makes yeah. sense to some people out there. Um, the other thing that's excellent that I could probably commit to, but you don't like uh, if you got the hot sauce at our favorite establishment, Golan Heights, which is uh, they call it harif, which is a certain yeah. style of hot sauce. A very good harif is also something that I could potentially commit to as my only condiment for the rest of my life. In it, if you're talking about just sauce in the sauce department, I would say I would put that in. You see, hot cherry pepper is inappropriate <laughs> to be placed into the condiment category. Um, Shug borders. Harif, the hot cherry peppers are are a topping. Yes, a topping. Harif, on the other hand, you that's a put, sauce. That's a condiment. I wouldn't call it. It's, I would like. It's not a sauce. It's condiment. Like you would say. Like I put that with yeah. your your garlic. Your may. I mean your mayo. With your garlic your... with your mustard. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Mm-hmm. Chipotle mayo. Oh, the best. That's, that's what. Okay. My go-to every well, time. So you know what? I, yes. Go ahead. You know what? I actually have in my fridge. Um. It's. I don't know if it's like constantly in the rotation, but if a, a bottle of sriracha gets like towards the end, I'll I'll uh, squeeze a ton of mayo in there Ooh. and make like sriracha mayo, okay. and then you just have that coming out of the sriracha squeeze bottle. So fucking good! <laughs> it's like one of my best innovations. Okay, he's a visionary now. We're about to have an epic battle royale here. So I, I want I, I want I everyone bring, to I just bring food innovations and, and Robbie's like, let's move past that. No, I want I want to get into the food innovation. And right, I think go. it's a it's a perfect lead in to I had said on the part of the problem podcast that I'm not a very big fan of mayo. And I now want to delve I, now, I want to delve into this. All right, let's talk. I have a very good understanding of mayo. I understand its usage. I understand the ways in which it's delicious. The other day, 
I you don't need to do any further research or homework on it. You you were <laughs> yes. already up to speed on it. I have a full understanding of the deliciousness of mayo. Now, where I like mayo, I don't like mayo paired with like mustard. I don't like that combo. That doesn't make sense to me. I don't like pure mayo. Like the people who just will kind of spread mayo on top of something, like on like on the top of the bread, just pure mayo on top of yeah. like a turkey. That's gross to me. Now, where I have a full understanding of mayo is like a Russian dressing is absolutely necessary if you're going to eat a Reuben sandwich kind of thing. Or if you're pairing pastrami, like a chicken cutlet on a rye bread, you, you kind you need of need some of that moisture. Yeah, you need some Russian dressing in there. Now, what mayo fills in your sandwich, it's kind of coming in with the creamy fat. That's what it is. You're going, hey, I want some creamy fat balance on my delicious sandwich, and I have a full understanding of why people want creamy fat on their sandwich. You don't have to explain this to me. However, a couple years ago, I lost a little bit of weight, and I, I, I kind of switched over to a little bit more of an all-natural style of eating. And in almost every sandwich eating instance where something called for mayo, I transitioned that need to either um, fresh avocado, to guacamole, or to hummus. And once you're working with either hummus, firstly, I would give my priority to fresh avocado or to, uh, or to uh, uh, guac. And then from there, hummus is a bit of a step down. And then from there, if you can't have either of those things, then mayonnaise is the poor man's substitute for those two items. Now, to take, uh, I don't know. <laughs> to I don't know about that because I've been yeah. known to use avocado, hummus, and mayo, or like a type of mayo all together. Oh, for sure. Uh, there you go. There you go. I love it. I'm, I'm not upset at you for it. You would make yeah. almost uh, a, a hummus, a hummus, uh, a hummus avocado mayo. No, I, I, there has to be something. There has to be like some sort of meats in, in, involved and some tomatoes. No, tomato. but I'm saying, would, could you mix that all together in one bowl as if you're making a new Russian dressing type concoction? No or you're, sep- like, you're separating it by meats. You do like, you do like, if you're doing that, it's like, you know, like a nice coating of of the hummus right on the bread. Yeah. And then you have like the sliced avocados, like interspersed in the meat. That was like when I then, used to... And then you like kind of drizzle some of the mayo or or like spicy mayo or the garlic mayo or whatever it is, like over, you know, once you, right after, right before you close the sandwich. And you have all three. Yeah. I've done but that with... Like yeah. to a bowl like you crazy... No, no, because I, I know I get that 100%. When I used to eat, make myself some big ass deli sandwiches and I was a little bit more mayo friendly, I would do top layer Russian dressing, and then my lettuce, mm-hmm. onion, tomato. Then I would do mm-hmm. my first deli meat, which let's say was uh-huh. being a pastrami. Then between yeah. my first deli meat and my second deli meat, I would do my and spicy mustard. brown mustard. Yes, Now, of for the life whenever, of me, I would never you... mix mustard with, like, you know, with the Russian dressing for one condiment. That's disgusting. That's not what you're looking right. for. But whenever you're using, like, a, a mustard in a deli sandwich – it's always right on the pastrami or turkey. Yes. It has to be. Yes. 100%. Okay. You don't want that. You don't want you mustard doesn't you mix well like, with the vegetables. You don't want it like straying aside like where it's not like right on Yeah. The meat. 100%. Or oh, like you don't want your mustard mixed in with your lettuce and onions that you end up with a bite of just lettuce onion mustard. That's not that's not a good mix. That's not what you're looking for. Um but in removing myself from the mayo game there's something conceptually just absolutely disgusting about mayo. 
that you have this thing that doesn't need to be refrigerated. It's just white. It's incredibly unhealthy. I'm telling you, if you take a break from eating mayo, and I still, like I said, sometimes eat mayo, it's kind of just gross. Mayo is the best. Seriously, the best. Like I said, I ate – okay, this is what I would kind of compare it to. There was a time in my life where – What? Jizz. <laughs> there was a time in my life where I would have thought going to 7-Eleven for a Slurpee was the greatest thing in the entire world. I might even made an argument that there were some occasions and moods that if you offered me a milkshake against a Slurpee, I'd be like, hey, I'm more in the mood for a Slurpee. I haven't had a Slurpee in 10 years. I'm disgusted by the concept of a Slurpee. There is no occasion by scumbag. which you can hand me a Slurpee <laughs> and I would go, oh man, this is fucking great. I'm going to have a Slurpee. I, I judge people that if I see an adult with like a big red Slurpee, I'm like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. And that is somewhat the same flavor that I bring an attitude to mayo that while I've eaten it, I understand it. I still sometimes do eat it. There's Who just the something gross about you? it. You are a scumbag. Hell, are you? You are like, you are just this like upset, slimy human being to, to have those feelings in your body. What do you mean? Uh, Light on me. <laughs> like to judge people on them eating mayo is just disgusting behavior. <laughs> mayo should be, it should be accepted. Having a slurpee. F- fuck you for saying that, that that's something oh oh I can't have Ooh, how dare you have a slurpee by the way little little man it's so unnecessary no, and I don't eat healthy there's nothing about my lifestyle that's healthy but there's yeah. some foods that you just graduate from in life no. and then you start to no. realize hey that's absolutely disgusting fuck that if you are, right, here's the thing. I will back you. If you're an adult yeah. drinking a red or blue Slurpee, like you were touched as a child and remain in that place, right? But if you go and get a Coke Slurpee, right, and you mix in a little bit of the cherry or a little bit yeah. of the blue raspberry, yeah. whatever it is, right, have a nice steady base of something I can understand, like Coca Cola, and you flavor it a little bit. Yeah. Right, you make your frozen sugar that much better. Yeah, that's fine. All right, and there's yeah. nothing fucking wrong with that. Right, and there's well, nothing fucking wrong with eating mayo either, Robbie. Let me, All right, let me let me. The uh, mayo let me, angle is just is just purely like a sadistic. <laughs> movie. So, All right, let me let me throw a quali- let me throw a qualifier out there. A little bit oh, of a qualifier. Oh, now you're backtracking because. Because of uh, no, I, I'm I'm fully made, I understand mayo. people's love for mayo. However. I'll also, I've also had that sometimes you remove certain food items from your life for a while and they don't appeal to you anymore. Much like I used to smoke cigarettes and I don't really smoke cigarettes anymore. And you kind of don't even want to open up that door to, hey, I forgot how great this thing is because it's unhealthy. So why do it? So that's definitely true of a Slurpee. I wouldn't want to go drink a Slurpee tomorrow because the last thing I need to do is find out, holy shit, this is the greatest thing in the entire world, and then oh. be running around trying to find 7-Elevens for Slurpees again. That's totally so fair. I'm if, sure... If you presented yes. it in that way, that's fine. So I'm if sure... you didn't want to... Yeah. I'm sure so hard, yeah. It's not like a, a hard-to-find item. You just don't want to get back on that... Well, I'm sure part of my... Like, dis- my disdain for it is also the fact that I can understand the fact that I'm, I had a can of soda for the first time. I had a can of Coke for the first time in five years, um, about a month ago. 
I've I, had three cans of soda since six o'clock today. I, God bless you. By the way, wait, I gotta I gotta throw a fucking accuracy qualifier on that. I stopped drinking soda years ago. I used to go through like cases of soda and I had to quit drinking soda and I kept to that. The one exception, and this is just shows how big of garbage I am. I drink vodka Red Bull every once in a while. So like for some reason Red Bull falls out of the soda category in my brain. But I'm saying it's like what? It's it's outside of the soda spectrum. Oh, okay, great. So then yeah, fine. Anyways, I drank a can of Coke, and then for a month straight, I every night I came back to my apartment. I was like, I gotta go get myself a can of Coke. Like it just it came right back. I was drinking I was drinking Coke Jack and Cokes like every night for for a little while, and then I re I re kicked it. But I still bring that to the table when it comes to things like uh, your Slurpees. But anyways, going full circle here, Mayo to me. Listen, step up your life. Avocado's better. Hummus is better. I promise you, if for an extended period of time you go mayo-free and you only eat avocado and hummus, you're going to kind of look at mayo and go, that's disgusting. But it's not It's not like, um, I'll tell you, like let's just say simply from like a sandwich eating perspective. Yes. And like if you're going to your, I don't know, the thing is like they're ketchup packets, they're mustard packets, and they're mayo packets pretty widely you're saying it's the most standard condiment that exists how can you possibly it's not like they're gonna have um squeezable avocado packets for you to like squeeze onto your sandwich i understand that almost like just it's become much more mainstream but it's still not at the point where like you know you're you're able to squeeze it on like ketchup well, I guess there was a time in my life where I was putting together a sandwich. I'd be like, "All right, this obviously needs mayo." Now I'd probably, I might even, I'd probably forgo a creamy fat sooner than I'd have mayo. With the exception being, like I said, if you're eating something with pastrami, it kind of needs Russian dressing. Um, all right, I feel like we've fully gone into the world of mayo. If anyone has any final thoughts before we move on to the last food topic, well, how, how do you, you feel guys about closing remarks? Mayo. So that's what kicked it all off. On the part of the problem podcast, I said, if you're eating your, you know, fried chicken cutlet sandwich with garlic mayo on it, and then I had to rescind it and go, guys, I don't actually stand with garlic mayo. (laughs) So I I get the concept of garlic mayo. Like, I really, I I get it, but it's not something I'm reaching for too quickly. What would you, yeah, but I would say the number one thing garlic mayo pairs with is uh, like a chicken cutlet. Like, that's, that's, that's probably, no. Or anything. Or what else? What else would you say is like like that's okay? If you only had a choice to eat one condiment, what food are you eating that you specifically gar like? If you could only have one condiment, you would say I only want garlic mayo. No, literally, if I could choose one condiment, it would be plain mayo. Because I mean, if you had to commit to just one condiment, it would yeah, be mayo. I go so hot versatile. sauce. I go hot no, sauce first. It would be so versatile. I go, I go hot sauce, and then I might go barbecue sauce as my number two. Um, you, you are you're garbage. You're, yeah, you're doing it all wrong. That's you're, like that's a notch up from saying fucking ranch. Oh, ranch is gross. I never eat ranch. I also don't even really eat ketchup anymore. I, I stopped eating like when I was on a real health kick a couple years ago. I was like, I don't need that that sugar. And I got to tell you, for the mo- for the most part. Ketchup is just gross to me. I've eaten ketchup on a burger, and but I eat barbecue sauce, so that's like a weird substitute. I'm in that's the bar- like ketchup, yeah. that's like smoky ketchup. Yeah, basically, they just kind of they they just you know putzed it up sugar a little bit. It. Yeah, they sugarcoated it. Um, but 
yeah, that's that's. I understand, like you like hot sauce and like spiciness, like on everything, but at the same time, like going hot sauce number one condiment is kind of ludicrous. Now I stand by that one a hundred percent. No reason for retractions. No reason for qualifiers. No reason for walking it back. Guys. If I'm committing to one, it's hot sauce. Guys. Mike, w- Mike, what would be your one condiment. I already said it. Chipotle mayo, right? It's the best of both oh. worlds. You get a little bit of spice in there, but you're getting like what you pay for the creamy, delicious fat of a mayo. So you're so like you're like kind of focusing on one specific type of like I, I feel like I would just if I could pick one condiment, it would be the basic mayo. And then like you could still add like different nah, stuff. No, 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 I think no, you got to commit to one. Yeah, that takes away the point of saying yeah, commit then to if one. You're, if you're mixing in like a ketchup got in it. one situation, a mustard in a different one, you're totally cheating. You got to yeah. go for one version of mayo and that's going to be your I version think, forever. Chipotle mayo. I think I would go with my hybrid uh, sriracha mayo. There bottle. you go. I respect that. A hot sauce mayo. I don't yeah. like, uh, you know, when, when sriracha was first introduced to me, I was like, holy shit, this is a different style hot sauce. And that's also something that's become – it's now gross to me. I don't like sriracha. What? I don't like sriracha. It's got it's got some – You were throwing some like crazy bombs out there. I'll, st- I'll stand by. You come over to my house. I'll make you a sandwich. I'll compete it against anything. There's some there's some foods that uh, have fallen into your lives that you guys have uh, felt committed to. And you got to explore some new relationships because you're doing your taste buds a disservice. All right. Moving on from this. The next question a listener asked us was what we recommend as being the best bread for a tuna fish sandwich. You're eating a tuna fish sandwich. What do you recommend as being the best bread? Why don't I, why don't we let Harrington take this one first? Harrington, best bread, tuna fish sandwich. So tuna fish sandwich, is that considered a tuna melt or like are, are we Ooh, assuming? That's a great question. You know what? I'm giving you the freedom to take this in whatever direction you want. That if you're eating tuna, how do you most want to? How do you most want it? And that's a real kicker that you just threw there when you threw tuna melt out into the tuna world. Yeah, I'm not going. I'm not just going straight tuna. I'm always going melt. And <clears throat> to me, the only answer here is a scooped out Kaiser roll. Ooh, I don't, I don't even agree with that a little I, bit. That's I, even I love weirder that than my. Oh, I hate that. I don't like Kaiser rolls. I'm anti Kaiser. Oh. You're very anti-Kaiser. I'm anti-Kaiser. You're a big stance against Kaiser. I'd rather rather salad. (laughs) (laughs) That's sacrilege, and we both know it. (laughs) I'll layer crust together. (laughs) All right. Mr. Mr. Feldstein, tell us, you're eating tuna. How do you prefer it? What kind of bread? You know, I think, I don't think I want to put myself in a box Okay. Of one specific because you can throw out some options, you know, different occasions, yeah, like different settings. The tuna's well, obviously, it's great on potato roll, okay, or potato bread. Um, but like a to- toasted whole wheat or even a bagel is like, yeah, you know, like um, a to- oh man, I get and and I disagree with Harrington. Like I think there's a very good time for just like a whole tuna sandwich. Yeah, like it doesn't need to, it doesn't need to be toasted. It doesn't need to be with the with the melted cheese. Like more I could just often, go straight tuna. More like, often than not, if I'm eating tuna, I'm having it on a bagel. So I got to say that that's really that's really my go to is bagel on a bagel. Um, but you already bagel said 
I mean, I'm sorry, tuna on a bagel, <laughs> a bagel bagel. That's what I do. I just get a bagel and I put a different bagel in the bagel middle. Bagel. Exactly. Now I like I, bagel with a bagel. Yeah. Uh, the ideal way to have that would be lettuce, onion, tomato, Swiss cheese, and hot sauce. Um, Ooh. on, yeah, that's the ideal way to eat your tuna. Um, but I like it on a bagel. Also, like you said, a good whole wheat, like a nutty kind of whole grain bread can mm-hmm. really pair well. But then, and I haven't had this in a while, but an open-faced tuna sandwich on rye, like a tuna melt on rye with Swiss cheese and you some hot love, sauce on top. Holy shit, dicks, dude. You love rye way too much. Oh, my God. You got to come out with me for an open-faced rye bread, tuna melt, I Swiss cheese? Swiss cheese, though. Uh, I think Swiss cheese is like a delicious. Dude, Swiss cheese is like someone. And I want to hear Mike's ate, opinion on this. Both like, ate cheese and farted at the same time. Like it's like it's like a, <laughs> it's like a dankier cheese. It's like more cheese than the other cheese. Heritage. I feel like Mike would go American in any situation where I would do Swiss cheese. I uh, default to provolone. Ten times out of ten. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't eat a lot of provolone. That's crazy to me. It's it was my provolone go-to cheese for like four years. Yeah, provolone's like a little uh, like a creamier jam, right? Yeah, no, it's smokier. It's smokier. Oh, interesting. Isn't that more of like a right? Gouda was... then? Gouda's the real smoky guy. Gouda doesn't really melt as well as as those others. But um, dude, I've I've eaten a good uh, tuna sandwich with cheddar on it though. I like especially you get like the cracker barrel, like mm. the like the extra sharp, and you do it in like thick chunks, and you put it on the top of the bagel with tuna underneath it. You're on to something. Have you, have you guys ever seen or had Tillamook cheddar? Oh, of course. No. Oh, okay. Tell you me have. about Well, it's, it's the it's, super uh, duper sharp cheddar. Yeah, I didn't know if it, it's made its way like to the mainstream on the East Coast, but out West, well, it's, it's out of Oregon, so I became familiar with it. But that is some phenomenal cheese. Eat it with some berries? Well, it pairs well with Marion berries, obviously. Marion berries. Going, going um, back in the archive on that one. But, um... Yeah, Tillamook for the fucking fantastic. All right, but I think I think yeah. uh, there is a Stanford eatery that we uh, didn't really talk about. What's that? It looks like you're jerking off. By the way, does it not look oh, like right. he's really rubbing one out? Look, look at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I want to tell you about a sandwich I ate the other day because I think you're going to give Let's me some hear. real credit for it. Whispered I, into me. Whispered into your ear? I don't have to whisper into your ear. The other day I was at my parents' house and my mom had some really fantastic grilled chicken in the fridge. It, it clearly had been marinated. It was a really, really good grilled chicken. And I was about to get in the car. I rolled it up in, um, I, I it was like a flatbread kind of wrap, which I'm not that used to like working I don't with. Like those. It's, it's not my thing either. But I, t- I love the tortilla wraps. Yeah, I like those a tortilla. Great, especially tuna in there. Yes. Really good. Yes. Really good. I agree with you 100%. Flatbed wrap, not not my typical jam. Mm, no. I throw some hummus on there. I cut up some red peppers. I throw in some hot sauce. I throw in the grilled chicken. I wrap this thing up, and then I get stuck in traffic, and I'm able to eat this wrap while sitting in traffic, and it's perfectly well-contained where it's not falling all over the place. There isn't juice coming out. It's not too many condiments. At no point in time do I need a napkin. It just kind of blended together in the perfect way where you could just eat it in one hand while driving a car. And I just wanted to let people know, you know, sandwiches don't always have to be over the top. You know what I mean? You can you can come together with a couple simple items in peace and harmony for a delicious, healthy meal. I just wanted people to know that th- there are more sandwich options. 
It doesn't always have to be nine cheeses and four condiments and three meats. Okay. Um, I just feel like your world has totally expanded just having the car in general that you're like, oh, it's you're not like always eating on the run. Right. Like they're like this car has like really okay. it's really kind of like sent it's like it's given you some like nice purpose in life now I, it does a little where you're bit. not just like a, where you're not just like a savage like eating your meals like at every you know like scraping okay. through the day like now you have your car i tweeted you this space <laughs> in your car. you have the whole car situation with the parking like you have your routine like it's it, it's kind of like making you just a, an evolved human it, 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 and then it, i think back about your stance on mayo and uh <laughs> And all sorts of other bullshit. And I'm like, nope, nope. <laughs> That's not so, the case. This car, I thought, oh my God, these days now where I have nothing going on on my weekends, now that I have a car, I'm going to get out in the world. I'm going to do amazing things. And let me tell you, once I find like a spot and I'm good for the weekend, you can send me an invite to an orgy. And I'm like, listen, my car's parked. Like, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> That's just the way it plays out. And my, my mornings have been ruined now because here's what happened. I found basically the street next to me, um, I think it's 9.30 to 11. So every day I just – I got to get to my car at 10.30 and move it to the other side of the street, sit in the car for a half hour, and I'm good. But I have to do that every day. It's like maintaining my car is that I have to spend a half hour in my car every day. But I kind of like the alternate side lifestyle. It's other people who are chilling in their cars Every day I do the same thing now. I sit there, I, I read, uh, you know, I read some news and then I call the bagel place 10 minutes before I'm going to leave my car and I put in my order for breakfast and then I walk over there, I pick it up and I go back to my apartment and eat breakfast. And I'm doing that. Firstly, I've already gained five pounds because I'm putting in some really big bagel breakfast orders, uh, but it's not a bad routine. But anyways. So I, you're. Yes. I sit like in my car and I call in the order so that it's ready and I don't have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> is that crazy it's not so crazy because we've all been there um us car people but i just that's that's very funny that like that's where you're like you're like oh i've perfected this i've perfected my life now 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 i have this car to be able to sit in so that it could be a vehicle literally and figuratively to you know what to, i would love i would minimize like yeah. the amount of human interaction or or just like not to lose any time like i would like, love cuz i have this if i actually had a girlfriend and she slept over and like i treated her to my morning routine just had her in the car with yeah, you. It's like, what do you do? Well, we're going to move it to this side of the street. We're going to sit here for a half hour. Look at this menu. Let me know what you want. You got a half hour to make a decision. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that's where the real danger comes in, Robbie, yeah. is that you now have a half hour of just fucking food porn to start your morning every morning. And it's like, well, I'm I'm not, not going to order an insane order. I actually find no. that, that that half hour in the like car can be the most productive because I'm stuck there. So I end up really doing some focused comedy writing or reading because there's really, there's something about you're stuck in that. Like I used to get my best work done on the train into the city because there was something about you were actually like stuck in that train that helped me focus. So I don't know if people locked me up in places for periods of time. Yeah. There was actually one time where I, I needed to, like, I needed to get something done during like off work hours. And like, I just needed like a chunk like an hour long chunk of time where like I couldn't be bothered. 
And I was actually like going in, um, I forgot where it was, but like I was traveling somewhere and I was like, I'm going to take an Uber there. Like I'm not like I had my car, but I'm not going to drive because I want that time. Like where there's nothing else to do. I just, I'm, I'm getting to wherever I'm going, but like where I could be productive in that type of, you know, what cars uh, are really great for is, uh, or I've had, a good if I only needed yes. to park somewhere, if I only needed to <laughs> I park somewhere, if you could somehow incorporate could that into your life, I could yes. save the whole uh, Uber money. But uh, I, I, um, driving to gigs can be great places for working out material because there's nowhere else where I feel comfortable talking out loud. Uh, like even if I was sitting in a car, I wouldn't feel comfortable talking out loud. I don't feel comfortable talking out loud in my apartment. I just see some guy like standing outside my door, kind of listening in. I just don't feel comfortable enough to do it. But if I'm sitting driving to a gig, you're kind of in motion. Uh, I've like ranted jokes and then found like work bits out just by kind of talking out loud. And that's the only place in the world you don't, you know, feel like an absolute serial killer if you're doing it. Oh, I've, I've screwed. There's no place I've screamed louder at the top of my lungs than than in the car while driving. Than in my car, not yeah. even while driving. Usually, it's like while leaving the house and like <laughs> in the car, oh and then just like letting out like, oh, I just need to get this shit out, and then like screaming like. I had a great, dude. Like, you're gonna love this. Me and my friend, we were yeah. driving somewhere the other day, and we're in a convertible. And a car in front of us just pulls over, stops traffic, and I scream at the top of my lungs, are you fucking kidding me? And then everyone on the street turned around, and I was like, oh, we're in a convertible. (laughs) We are not in that stage, though. Yeah, we are not in that. Like, good thing I didn't say the N-word. All right, moving on. Uh, All right, last sandwich-related topic I wanted to bring up. I was uh, with my grandfather. I would tell you that it was the Lakeside Diner, but we're not talking about Stanford places, so I'm not going to – I'm not going to bring up the locations. You don't want to talk about Stanford Places? We're not going to talk about Stanford Places. I get it. No, we have to talk about at least one. I'm putting my foot down. But I'm so, okay. I went out. Before his grandfather or after Mike? I took my grandfather to the Lakeside Diner because after all the nice things. Yeah. After all the nice things that the guys were saying about the Lakeside Diner and my poor memories of the places, I decided it needed another review. I couldn't judge it based off my memory. So first is, and this is a great move. I, I ordered a whole meal, but before the meal, I said, please bring me two of your cinnamon donuts and a cup of coffee because I wanted to see what the cinnamon donuts were all about. What time? What was that? What time? Yeah, uh, admittedly, not fresh. I think it might have been 12 p.m. or something like that, so it wasn't fresh in the morning. Um, I love the texture of those, uh, like, the old-school donuts. Uh, How do you, like, the old-fashioned donuts, how do you describe what that texture is? It's like the... It's got a crispy outside but a very soft middle. No, but it's not like if you went to Dunkin' Donuts, you got a glazed donut. That's one style. And then you have what I want to call the old-fashioned style, which is more of like a cake all the way through kind of thing. Yeah, they call them cake donuts. Oh, okay. So I prefer a cake donut. I think there's a better word for it. I think it's nope. whatever. That's fine. Let's go with cake donut. That's good enough. I'm 100% right about this. All right, fine. It might be like the Martin's <laughs> potato roll. We'll agree to let's disagree. I'll do my homework. I'll go work. back. I'll check it out. And, you know, maybe it's called an old-fashioned. Maybe it's not. Well, we'll look it up. I'll do some investigations like, and I'll find maybe- out. Maybe in a month you'll get a there point. Plain cake donut. That's, the, that's the style I'm talking about. There you go. R- wrong no. wrong again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
So I like the cake style donut. Uh, the flavor was fine, but it was not world class. And uh, admittedly, I didn't have it while it was fresh. But that other place that I was talking about in town, um, their donuts are just better. Uh, and then here's my other take on the Lakeside Diner. The place is okay. It's not the best food in Stanford. If I was going out to a, like a diner in Stanford, I'm not like, hey, we got to go to Lakeside for the better food. If you're taking a trip on the Merit going north and for some reason you kind of want to go to a place that's a little bit fun because it's just off the Merit and has like a little bit of a classy uh, villagey type feel, then the Lakeside is kind of uh, fun in that regard. But the food is not like world class or anything, you know, it, it, it's nothing fantastic. And that lake is more of a dirty pond. Um, I'm open for rebuttals. I work two miles away from it and I've never been there. Yeah. Okay. I too have never been to the Lakeside Diner. All right. So However, they, yeah, I have been to Garden Catering. I'm not familiar Ooh, with Garden Catering. Baby. Now that is a spot. What's so good about this place? They have multiple spots. They're they're like a franchise. I like that the word catering is in there because I feel like I can get like whole big like dishes. No, you could go very. It's very simple, but like I guess maybe that's where they got their start in the catering business. Can you pull up? Can you pull it up up on the screen so I can see what garden catering looks like? There's no. No standard of what a garden catering looks like. Well, I can see what that's what garden oh, that catering looks, looks like. It's like a popcorn chicken kind of thing. Uh, no, they're way bigger than popcorn. Well, like they're some, they're full nuggets. I like a nugget. Yeah. So it's just a nugget and fries place. Comes in a bag. Yeah, with uh, Marty's. Uh, what is that called? Uh, Lowry seasoning salt. Yeah. Do they do they, anything other than uh, basically nuggets and fries? Yeah, they have like uh, breakfast egg sandwiches, hash browns. They're they're known for their potato cones. Oh God, the cones are where it's at. The potato cones are essentially mashed potatoes in like a light batter surrounding it, and then deep fried. That's them right there, Robbie. Maybe it's like maybe the best thing ever. I'm gonna next time I'm in town, I will check it out. Anyways, (laughs) I'll do my research, and then I'll come. And then I'll come work. I'll and come back. I'll, you. I, you know, I'm just trying to do reconnaissance on uh, the the things people bring up, and then other people are like, "We're not talking about it." But, Dog, you know, I ate it three <laughs> times in like 18 hours. Are they 24 uh, seven? And it's, and that's completely legitimate. Like, like you could get go there for breakfast, you could yep. go over there for lunch, and go there for dinner, and it's like you. It could be three totally different experiences. I like the farm looking picture of the chicken on there with the green that makes it look like it's kind of healthy i like their logo yeah it works um it's got a healthy vibe yeah i went there and i got a hot seat at like five in the afternoon with cones uh went there for uh breakfast the next day um got a uh got a baby with chili and cheese or a junior they call it now with chili and cheese and then i got a regular special for dinner that night hell yeah mike was it the same exact place or were was it three different locations no i went to the one in the marinick for the hot seat and then i got uh the the uh the same place twice uh in porchester okay yeah. so all right yosef was was marinick one on monday i want to say it was marinick avenue on tuesday i know for this a fact tuesday? it was tu- yes this tuesday <laughs> imagine if we ran into- <laughs> oh did you go there this Tuesday? Great. No, I said I was there on Monday. Oh, you were there on Monday. Oh, okay. So, 
I was doing something the other day. I was uh, with my grandfather. I was eating a, a sub, a steak, a steak sandwich. How often do you eat with your grandfather? Nah, well, is, now this, that this you have car, like, yeah, you I know. Just I got to take him out. You have to like, no, no, not even. I have to take him out. You have to like show him the car, like, oh, grandpa, this is your <laughs> car. Like, it's still in good hands, or like, oh, let, oh, remember this? Like, this is your car. Like, yeah, it's like you still have it. <laughs> no, I, I feel, I feel guilty, so I take him out and I have lunch on him. You know, just to, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. All right. I was doing something that I noticed was so weird that if someone put this up on social media, it would be like that guy with the bagel slices, even though we kind of agreed on it, which yeah. was I, I got this this hoagie and it was it was actually too much bread that the meat to bread mm. ratio wasn't great. So I started eating it with just the bottom row of bread and the steak on top of it with a fork and knife. How flagrant is that? In other words, Say I took, I took, I this, I took the top layer of bread off. But then okay. I wasn't really standing alone well enough to just hold the bottom and eat it. So I started eating it with a fork and knife with just the layer of bread underneath. But almost as if you were eating like the steak and rice that I was eating with like a fork and knife. And it actually ate pretty well. But then I also realized that if someone watched the process, it, it looked like, what the fuck is it? Like this is a fucking yes. serial killer over here. All right. So did you act? Each bite, did it have a piece of the bottom bread also? Yeah, but then I oh, even, no. but then I even flipped it around where I was cutting the bread and then like taking almost like, like it was dipping like dipping it in. No, and then like taking the bread almost like it, it, as if each bite was its own skewer, like pushing the bread to the end, of, not really to the end of the fork, but getting the bread on the fork and then picking up a couple pieces of steak and putting it in my mouth, and it it, it was delicious. It clicked. It was a perfect bread to meat ratio. But I also understood if someone kind of like filmed that and put it up, like I felt like social media would have been like, what the fuck is wrong with this person? That, that's like my psycho uh, cereal eating, cereal and milk eating. What's your, uh, what's your psycho cereal you milk eating? No, no, no. Lay it oh on Oh my us. God, guys, you might, this might end it for, for you guys with me. All right. This might be the last you ever hear from me um, or want to talk to me. Um you cereal and milk in a bowl, like that's just the standard, like yeah, yeah. that's the normal way that? to eat it. But I find the more efficient, the more luxurious, and the <laughs> and the the better tasting and yeah. like way to re the way to better um, enjoy cereal and milk. Even though I totally admit this is like psycho behavior, is pour a glass of milk. Pour cereal into a bowl, just dry. Take a bite on the spoon of just the dry cereal and take a no. little sip of it. Oh, I ridiculous. swear to God. That is it's, ridiculous. You're a cereal killer. That is no, ridiculous. No, that it's, is, it's that is shameful. That is – okay, wait. Can I just ask you a question? Have you ever just – Every tried... bite is the first bite. No, Every no, I... bite is the first bite of cereal. Have you ever – Which is the best bite. Because I've gotten we, – we did a cereal party after an episode recently, and we were eating the cereal in, um, like, big plastic, uh, yeah. like, like the, the red the cups, the red cup. solo cups. Yeah. But then because we're fat fucks, it very – we very quickly gave up on spoons and was essentially just drinking, you know, the, the cereal within the milk, which um, – you end up going through a lot of cereal. It's a, you know, it, 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 it's like, you know, hitting heroin with the needle as opposed to snorting it. You get a faster, quicker, better sensation, having more fun. Have you tried that where at least you're kind of drinking the two together? Or it's very much the ritual yeah. of putting it in your mouth and then yeah. drinking it down. I'm telling you as I, I 
fully admit the psycho behavior. I don't need to do any more research or homework. Like I know that it's psycho. <laughs> like, I'm not fully admitting, like I know this is like the act of. I can't uh, believe you're anti being open but, to research and discovering no, how no, no, long no. you I, are. I've already researched that this that I'm a, a loony pants for for doing this, but until you actually try it, I don't think you could comment on it because it is a hundred percent. And I don't even do it that often. Like I, I don't think I've done it in over a year, but like it's a hundred percent the better way. Like listen i'm not gonna judge until i go experiment with it what? the thing about you're it gonna go do your me, research here's here's what's driving me nuts about it i just feel like it's too slow of a process that that's it i just feel like i'd be too impatient yeah, said, it's a more luxurious process it's if you have time and yeah, could just, like it just seems like i know you don't yeah, this it is just crazy seems, okay. dude i showed you yeah. the 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 milk and cereal in a cup of, in like a, a solo cup yeah. it is perfect for taking on the road with a plastic spoon that's how i ate most of my cereal throughout high school it is the best way to do it and the best way to do it while driving can i tell you what i could go for uh, mr uh, mr feldstein mm-hmm. Here, here's something that i think i could really like and this is going to sound really fucked up and backwards but if you're sitting on the couch or watching TV, this is the only setting where this would make sense. I could see some sort of an invention where, you know, like the Tostito scoops. If somebody made something that was maybe more of like a cookie type thing that you could fill with cereal and then dip into milk. Oh, so that you're kind of filling it up with milk. And it's like the equivalent of like, but I don't know what exactly. I, I think like a gram, like what Dunkaroo cookie kind of thing was, but a, a little bit of a thinner structure but that could hold on to milk. You see what's like yeah. a little bit of like a chip and dip, but dipping into the milk with cereal. I like in there. that. I like what you're there, thinking there that. Could be, there could be something interesting. Rob see, cereal my chips. Me- my my method. Go. Yes. My method is I'll tell you when it like comes into play. And like, obviously this is not your life. Yeah. Um, let's say I poured like a bowl of cereal and milk and then my fucking kids like, you know, we're acting up and like I, I had to then you come back to soggy me. cereal so you exactly. had to come and, up with and that okay like, I, got one, I got one more question for you wouldn't this be more efficient to put the cereal in one like this I would understand you put cereal in one cup you put milk in the other cup you spill a little bit of cereal into your mouth then you spill a little bit of milk that at that's, least is like a little bit hobo, more that's the hobo version of what I'm doing no you're the more said, cereal killer version no, no, you're actually sitting no, there with the my spoon version, my version is as I said, it's more luxurious. It's There's a lot luxurious about dry cereal in a spoon. It's fucking weird. What? That's not true. You take a bite and shut you it down. <laughs> I told you this is the last you're going to speak of me. I openly admitted that when I admit to this, right. you're, you're never going to want to talk to me again. And I get that. But you, it, unless you you try this act, you're yeah. never going to understand it because you're kind of like simultaneously taking the milk. It's the same exact conduit as taking just a regular bowl of cereal with milk poured over it. All right. Uh, But you're getting that first bite every single bite. I get it. Oh, I get it. I love love the passion. I love the passion. All right. Everyone, I think we did it. I think we fully, fully explored. Can I say one more thing? Actually, not. I uh, suffered an injury this week. What was the injury? Non-eating related. Okay. And I want to share it with everyone. Um, so uh, now, 
you know, with this new home. I have a backyard. I, can well, I quickly grab a little more coffee? Is that gonna is that gonna piss you off? Can I get like fifteen no. seconds on the clock for some coffee? Yeah, it's okay. For sure. All right. I'll hang out with Mike. Bruh. Mike, you need to uh, send me your uh, landscaping guy. Oh right, I forgot you texted me about that. I will do that oh, literally like in the morning, like, and I know that's probably like your whatever. Yeah, no, I uh, text me tomorrow morning because I'm actually uh, I'm gonna see my dad, and it's his like uh, it's his. My dad's been driving his truck for like two weeks. Like they're real good boys, so I will okay. uh, definitely hit me up and remind me. Yeah, dude, sure. it's mad late. Dude, we've been going for over two hours. Oh, man. O- almost 2.30. <laughs> All right. You also tell us about you this injury. Before me? Yeah, we did. Like, oh, wow. But th- this is like episode two within one episode. <laughs> and here's the craziest part. I got to get the um, the smoke out bug out. And then I'm putting this right. We're, we're putting out two giant episodes this weekend. So it's going to be a lot, a lot of content for the fans coming right at them. Hell yeah. All right. Felt so you want to hear about this injury? It's, I do. Uh, was it your penis? Very sad, nah, it was uh, my ribs. Ooh, what'd you do to your ribs? So, um, la- I think it was Friday. I want to say one of the like crazy hot days this past week. So we that guy's uh, can crack ribs in the heat. That happens. So uh, we uh, yeah have this uh, nice backyard now. We have a slip and slide that Ooh, the kid literally. Those are dangerous. All we had, like, it's like we have just that back patio yeah. and flip and slide in the grass. If we turn that on, they're good for like five hours. That guy in a we'll slip come- and slide, you should know better. The, huh? You should just know better. I mean, you you were made for America's Funniest Home Videos getting onto <laughs> a slip and slide. So, like, the, I saw, like, they were using it and, like, they were kind of like, running and like jumping on it like with their knees like on their knees and like sliding yeah. down and a little bit like you know like sliding like but like they were not doing it in the way like i was trying to like show my kids like i was like holding them and like oh look you could go the whole distance like you don't just need to run and then like start the jump like halfway through you could slide all the way through and then that's the best part about kids they're so fucking stupid you feel uh-huh. like you can teach them anything and it just blows their mind Exactly. So, yeah. um, as I said, it was one of the like days where it was like a hundred or over a hundred, and even with like the ACs, like I, I was just like dying. And I was like sitting outside with them for a little bit, and I got like super hot. And then I stripped down to my underwear. In and front I was of the like, kids. Well, they—that's—that's that's, <laughs> like clothes to them, um, but. Um, yeah, I was like, all right, I'm I'm going to go on the slip and slide. And, like, I, I just wasn't, like, properly thinking of where it's – like, it's just on the grass. It's not like it's on some – it's, right. like, literally, like, belly flopping onto grass. Like, and that's not something I would normally do. I, for some reason, I thought there was more protection or, like – Yeah, those buffer. are dangerous, dude. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so I, just, I just, like – went on it and my ribs have been completely sore bruised or cracked or i don't think cracked because at least per my google research cracked ribs you it would like affect your breathing so i think it's just like badly bruised 
Right. But it's been oh god, a fucking disaster. The worst is on slip and sides when you have too much momentum and then you get fucked up on the grass on the backside. Like you, you Ooh, go like through the, the whole thing. Yeah, no, no, you go like you, you, you travel the whole distance to the thing and then end up on the grass. Here's the absolute worst. This hasn't happened to me, but I've seen it happen. Is that you go like this happens when people put like dish detergent on the slip inside because then you get more slip. People do that, right? So you cover this gonna bug everyone. You cover the entire distance of the slip inside and you keep going, but then when you hit the grass, you end up cutting or slicing into yourself on a rock that was in like the dirt kind of thing. Oh like especially like across the side of your stomach kind of shit, you can really get You've fucked done up. That? No, 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 I've never had that happen to me, but I, I saw it yeah. in camp, someone like mud sliding that shit would kind of happen because there was always like, you know, that one rock that was still there kind of thing. All right. Listen, we fucking did it. This was a marathon. I hope people enjoyed it. The first halves, we talked about, uh, we, we got into David Stockman. We got into interest rates. We got into the Mueller uh, shenanigans. Uh, oh, I'm so glad I missed that. <laughs> I stuttered a whole bunch. We had two different call-ins. We had a guy with a, with a porch who teased us with uh, footage of his porch while he played erotic music. We had another guy who called in from California who tried to explain how unions are stealing his wealth. And to be honest, I didn't follow it completely, but it was still interesting that he called in. Uh, seemed like a nice fellow running a successful business. And he said he might ship us some sandwiches. So that guy's a fucking winner, dude. We got to figure how out, by the work? way, we got to figure, figure out um, how we get people like to ship us sandwiches. There's got to be a way... We got to figure out what tech's out there for shipping sandwiches so that people can start sending in their sandwiches to become a uh, run your mouth sandwich certified. Like um, on dry ice. Yeah. Or maybe, uh, maybe there's like bags out there specifically made for shipping oh, hoagies in the mail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The hoagie, the hoagie, the hoagie delivery service. Like I'm thinking of like a cylinder, like a, like a Pringles can, but comes with uh built in ice or something. I don't know. Listen, okay. I'm not I'm not a scientist. I'm just a guy who thinks of chips and dips with cereal. <laughs> I would love to pull a sandwich out of a Pringles can. <laughs> now thinking about it, imagine. Actually, they make the like actual like postal service tubes like for yeah, that yeah. kind of like oh, so <laughs> yeah, you can ship like a whole hero sandwich, not even a hoagie, a hero or or multiple hoagies. Like you just pull them out one by one, like seven in a row, packed in there. You can throw like, yourself oh. a party. Did I order a poster? Oh no, it's it's my sandwich coming. Well, let's start that company, Hoagie Co. We ship hoagies in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> All right, soggy meatball, ass hoagies. Meatball subs for life. Uh, Yosef, anything you want to plug for the for the listeners out there? If, uh, if there's like a rib doctor or chiropractor, that they should be hit great. you up. We got to uh, before the end of the summer porch tour. I'd like to come back when your porch is in full glory. Maybe uh, maybe even barbecue a little bit. Oh, I, I found out that there's there's a light in the front. Can we queue a little bit? We have us over for a little barbecue. Uh, yeah, I think we could do that. But look at this shit. This this is the light. It's like a push button thing. It just looks that like you're gonna get electrocuted. You push the it on and off, like each button, like the oh top button. I could play with that all day. There's something really satisfying about that light switch. So that controls the the light in the uh, on the front porch. Beauty. Wait, wait. Before I let you go, any other disasters that you've noticed in the house that need to be fixed? Like anything else that you caught that's like a total I train wreck? I, I don't even want to get into it. Uh, the, there's been a plumber here 
three times so far. Oh, you're you're clogging toilets left and right. They can't handle your shits at all. No, there was uh yeah, like some major plumbing issues. Yeah, all right. Well, next time, uh, next time we have you on, you can tell us about uh, the dilemmas of uh, home ownership. Um, Harrington, anything you want to plug before we call it an episode? Just my social media at the M Harrington. There you go, Ed M Harrington. Thank you for hanging out with us. Summer porch tour continues next week. Hit us up, Rob's Newsroom at gmail.com. I'm highly responsive and super lonely, so you know I'll, I'll respond. You don't even need to have a porch. Just yeah, send me so an email. I'll get someone, back to you. Someone emailed you about tuna, and and you like yeah, made yeah. it. Like I, I made it a segment. forty minute bit. I'm sitting in cars for a half hour a day at least with nothing to do. So email us robsnewsroom at gmail.com. We've got some summer porch tours uh, episodes coming up, and uh, that's it. Enjoy, enjoy everybody. Bye.